go, let's go stream on. Mainly for my own benefit, so I can watch it back afterwards. Um, so we're going to take it nice and slowly. We're going to go through the, the character creation as per the book that I've got here. There's no mad rush about it, as far as I'm concerned. As long as we get to the end of this evening, then we sort of know where you are as a group, and you've all got characters you're happy with. That, that that's all I'm bothered about getting accomplished this evening. If we get anything else done, that's a Brucey bonus. But as long as when we're going to the next session, you guys have all got characters and we sort of know where we're starting off. Great. Okay, so before we start launching into the into the sort of character creation, does anyone have any questions before we before we jump on that? And obviously if you come up with any questions during it as well, or you need me to slow down or go back over everything, it's been a while since I've looked at this as well, so there's probably going to be bits where I have to look things up or there'll be questions come up that I have to look up. That's fine. Feel free to ask whatever you want. If I can't answer it, I'll either be like, Johannes, what's the answer? Or I'll look it up. Yeah. I uh, There's no quality guarantee right now because I haven't looked at the... <laughs> I looked at the text for a while. I, 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 did my, uh, I did my classic thing of being like, oh, I've, got, I've got weeks before then. I'll have, I'll have loads of time to like, look at a book. Oh, I've been, I've been slammed at work. I've had no time to do anything. But such is life. Or unlife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously you can tell I take vampire that very seriously. But in all seriousness, does anyone have any questions before we get started? Okay. Oh, I think I'm okay. Just let's go a little bit slowly because uh, we've yeah, read as much we're, of the book as I had hoped. We're, we're going to be taking it a little bit slowly because, I, again, I've got that problem where because I've owned like five different editions of this game, it's not that I don't remember the rules from it, it's that I remember the rules from five different editions of the game, but not necessarily what edition they go with. Yeah, he remembers too much. That's it. <laughs> I, I've seen things, man. Mm hmm. You would, yeah. yeah I, I think we all have with <laughs> vampire <laughs> we've seen some things that we shouldn't have you don't know man you weren't there yeah you i were, i, I truly don't because i don't in the legendary times of the 90s because <laughs> i haven't i haven't done the mind's eye like that's my one thing like you guys know about that darkness but yeah, yeah. you can tell you can tell people who've like uh who've like rough mind's eye games by the sort of haunted expression as they stare into the middle distance and yeah, like, and the, and like uh, a the... mad world plays in the background. <laughs> yeah. so, so you want me to put roll vampire? <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Let me just uh, grab my walk off my little table. So, the first step, and I believe you can edit like the, the free text boxes without clicking on the, uh, the actual... Uh, yeah, the white ones. Thing, yeah. So the first thing is, and happy to go through all of these, is to pick your clan, which is the family of vampires that you belong to. All the all the clans of vampires tend to have propensities for certain powers, and they have a certain sort of flavour or character to the clan. Now I'm going to sort of explain through this in very sort of like easy sort of you know back to basics terms i'm sure a lot of us will know this some of this already or all of this already but just so we're all on the same page we'll go through it 
as though like none of us know anything about a vampire. So let me just look up the old clans. Ah, oh, yes, I remember that this book's terribly organised. Yet somehow just still like better than. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's slightly better than the other ones. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it does yeah. have an index. So right, here's your index, and uh, all the page numbers are wrong. So enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah, have fun with that, guys. Okay, so in terms of clans out of the main book, we have well, f first of all, but before we start getting into clans, I'll just start reading out random clans that you may or may not be interested in. We talked about the potential of you guys all playing members of the same clan at one point. I don't know whether people still want to do that. What do you I think, guys? Is there any real sort of rules side of it that makes any difference that you're from different clans, or is it just more the uh, the background uh, and in, the logistics in terms of the of rules? It? Each clan has what's called a bane, which is like a a vampiric weakness um, they also have a propensity towards learning certain disciplines now in the older versions of vampire that pretty much meant if you were from the each each level of a discipline had a certain power associated with it so every vampire who had level one potence which is supernatural strength had the same ability every vampire with level two potence had the same ability as every other vampire level two potence that's not the case in this version of the game because when you get to a level of a discipline you get to pick one of like a small number of powers associated with it so not everyone who has potence too will have the same ability as every other vampire has potence too so there's a little bit more variety in terms of the powers you can have all vampires from the the same clan unless you take some sort of merit or flaw that changes that will have the same bane the same sort of vampiric weakness but aside from that those are really the only sort of game mechanic-y bits that are relevant to to clans so <clears throat> i would ask then that the, the players that have played this a lot is it does it make sense to have that spread across different clans so you've got certain people i mean i've always found jobs? as an st uh, the bigger the spread, the more you can handle in terms of uh, discipline slash skill sets. That's not necessarily the case with tabletop because it's a bit more open than mind's eye is, which is a, a very, very condensed version of the rule system. Yeah. And I mean, the thing here as well is obviously we're, at this point, we're just talking about vampiric weaknesses and um, the vampiric powers or disciplines. Obviously, your your attributes, your skills, all the other various bits and bobs, they're not affected by whatever clan you are. So, you you might let's say you're all playing Brujar just for the sake of argument, or like the sort of the rebels and like the sort of lost <coughs> lost boys, sort of bad boys of like vampire society. Yeah, until they're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah until they're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you could easily have like, oh, Janus is playing a. A guy who's like focused on like brawl and like physical attributes. He's a bit of a bruiser, and then you could be like, "Oh yeah, well I've, I'm playing a bruiser who's focuses on like wits and awareness. He's got a bit more about him. He's more a sort of scouty style character, and they will probably play completely differently. The only similarities they will have will be they've got the same sort of vampiric weaknesses and propensities for powers. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm happy way to be honest. Then I'm. I mean, with the Hector, there's definitely a lot of scope for you to branch out away. Yeah. From everybody so, else. Because so, we were talking about, are we all going to play the Clan of Death, also known as the Hikata? Uh, and, I, I am. <laughs> yeah. And because um, that that is a sort of amalgamation of what, like six, seven disparate groups that sort of banded together, which are all kind of uh distinguished by this very same kind of differences that we've just been talking about between the clans so um yeah to an extent uh, like the the options here are uh do we want to do just every everyone pick whatever you want from anywhere um do we want to do a mix or do we want to do just everyone's like a hekata but within that there's also like almost equal amount of <laughs> Options I mean, to pick. Obviously, the, the one thing I would say in regards to picking your clan is is pick something that you think you can role play. You know, if you want to be a bruiser, maybe go for a bruiser because yeah. that is typically what they're for. Uh, if you want to be more law related, then you know you're probably looking more like a Cappadocian that are dedicated to the study of death, sort of thing, or the Tremere where they're dedicated to the study of magic. I suppose maybe we can look at it th from this point of view because we kind of we have established what at least the initial thing is going to be, which is sort of solving murders and mysteries. I, I suppose. Yeah, um, we, we're sort of taking a slightly atypical sort of approach to a campaign where we've sort of said it's going to focus more around uh, sort of like in the more sort of like urban. I don't want to say urban fantasy because it's, it's not that really. But, you know, sort of like more sort of investigative style stuff, which doesn't typically, I mean, not always, but doesn't typically tend to be the focus of a standard sort of vampire game in my experience. So we're going for a slightly atypical approach. but Yeah. So with that in mind, then, because we know where we're going to start from, it's sort of relatively easy to fine tune a niche for yourself here. Yeah, I mean, you know, what kind of character did you envision playing is obviously going to be the core starting point. If you want to be, like I say, more of a fighter, look look at those sorts of clans. You know, if you want to be more law-related, look at those clans. If you want to find the mid-sweet spot, you know, you can look at some of the other clans involved. I mean, my very quick look through it... Uh... There was definitely seemed to be certain clans that wouldn't mix with other clans as well, or normally. Well, yeah, wouldn't. you're not going to get Sabat hanging around the Camarilla anytime soon. Right. See, most you know, of but these they're names, different factions. Most of these names are coming out. I didn't even see in the book. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, like I say, I've got a lot of experience with it. I know, but, but I mean, I'm looking. I'm only looking at the one I had, and there was if you're like looking at like clans or something, Brujar, Gangrel. Yeah. You know, Nosferatu, that sort of thing. Yeah. If you want to be interested in law but still able to handle a fight, you're probably looking more like a Nosferatu. You know, because they've got centuries of gathering knowledge and law, and I, I know a lot of it got taken away in the Second Inquisition, sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, this is only from my point of view. I'm interested in like the history and where you know the first generations come from, and someone at 
you know, he's digging deep into there. So you're more like a lawmaster, sort. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm using your experience. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if you're more interested but... in the origins and stuff as a as a character, then you're yeah. probably more interested in laws than you would in, say, right. for example, combat. You know. Okay. Yeah, I think as well. Obviously, we're we're sort of focusing very much on the the sort of vampire side of things here, which I know it sounds a a little bit ludicrous to say because obviously we're doing a, a vampire game after all but obviously the, the the vampire clan that you belong to doesn't have to necessarily reflect what your character is about because your character's been a human being for a hell of a lot longer than they've been a vampire mm-hmm. so for instance t- if we've got the clan of death which are sort of stereotypically sort of they study death and also a cult sort of based but if a if a member of the clan of death the hikata is like oh i need like a double hard bruiser to like guard my to guard my shit then that if they need them that much they will embrace a double hard bruiser to like guard their stuff so you can sort of play against type so what i would potentially suggest is have a think about what sort of human being you want to play what sort of character you're interested in playing and then we can worry about the sort of vamp i know it says pick clan first but i would suggest maybe think about what sort of human your character was before they were turned into a vampire and then we can sort of work out either which clan will suit you or if you want to play against type that sort of thing So I guess Dave and Johannes, what are you guys you guys have agreed your clans or have I'm gonna go for a Putinesca, which is a like a mobster. Yeah, so Death Clan mobster guy. Okay. Um I haven't I I, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I, I I was sort of playing around with the idea of like because the <clears throat> the <clears throat> the um sort of stereotypical uh, former form of the Death Clan was the uh, Italian uh, Giovanni. And um, they had a lot of stuff revolving around, like, let's keep, you know, hold of and also a protective hand over our own family. I thought it might be cool to um, do a a thin blood uh, Giovanni uh, who's just like the disappointment of the family <laughs> they, they didn't turn into a proper vampire even it's just the like the you know 13th kid and someone eventually got around to making them a vampire and it didn't work because they're useless um i thought that might be cool but um i haven't settled on anything yet yeah and just to explain to people who may not be familiar with it um the way i know we've talked about this a little bit before the way sort of vampire generations work is you had you had sort of Cain as like the mythical progenitor and then each generation is like a step down from him so like 13th generation are like 13 steps removed from like the progenitor with the idea that the blood gets diluted and weaker the further down you go until eventually you get to like the bottom rung of what can be considered to be a vampire which are the thin bloods where like, the curse of vampirism is so weak in them 
that they've sort of got one foot in the human world and one foot in the vampire world. So, like, they're still damaged by, like, sunlight and stuff like that. But whereas it's, like, really serious, like, oh, my God, I'm on fire for, like, most vampires. For them, it's like, oh, if they had to quickly dash across a sunlit courtyard and they kept to the shade and they had, like, a heavy coat on and a hat and stuff like that, they might get away with sort of fairly minor damage. But also they they don't have some of the more powerful abilities that stronger vampires would have. So it's a sort of a bit of a trade-off. But yeah, just to remind everyone, the, the sort of original idea of uh, this game was that the the Camarilla, the sort of ivory tower society of vampires uh, quite some time ago, arranged with the, the clan of death, the Giovanni at the time, they signed something called the Promise, which was basically, oh look, clan of death, if you stay out of our business, we'll leave you alone because we really haven't got time to be like dealing with you right now. And the clan of death were like, yes, thanks very much, we'll sign that. And it was signed as like a sort of magically binding document that is so magical that even the people who signed it can't entirely remember what's on it but recently knowledge has resurfaced through various means that that promise had a, a time limit it had an expiration date on it and it's due to run out very soon but because of this weird sort of magical occlusion over it no one knows exactly what's going to happen when it runs out so the clan of death which is why they're sort of gathering all their sort of their cousins and their their, their disparate bloodlines together because they're like what's going to happen is the camarilla going to start hunting us you know like we don't know and likewise the camarilla is also like oh well are the giovanni and the and the clan of death going to start sticking their oar into our business and causing all manner of like tomfoolery they don't know so everyone's it's almost like a sort of cold war scenario where like everyone's sort of like waiting to see who like jumps first and who's going to like pull the trigger first so it's a very sort of paranoid sort of tense situation at the moment now the the other thing we talked about including was because we're doing this as a sort of limited campaign was the idea that perhaps something is awakening or arising or happening in the the sort of dark murky waters below venice nearly said vienna see how many times i say vienna by accident during this game yeah i'll be listening for the drones <laughs> yeah so something so potentially arising below venice and the the campaign would end when either this thing rises cue apocalyptic music end credits or you guys stop it from rising whatever it turns out to be but the idea was going to be very much you guys sort of delving into like sort of i suppose it, almost a sort of like vampire sort of x-files vibe you know where you're sort of investigating stuff that's going on in the city that would lead to you stumbling onto this this much larger sort of idea of this whatever it is this force rising up in the city so what we really I'm um, sorry, John, just before we move on, the two factions who signed this promise, they're the Camarilla, are they? The Camarilla and it was the um the Clan of Death, previously known as the Giovanni. 
Okay. And what, what, who are the Camarilla? Are they like a the, the, the Camarilla faction? Yeah, the Camarilla are basically a group of vampires of various different clans, like the Brugia, the Torridor, stuff like that, who basically, way, way back in the mists of time, the Middle Ages, got together and they were like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, the, these humans, like individually, they're, they're pretty, pretty fucking weak, to be honest. We could probably take them. However, there's a lot of them, and they've got weapons, and they can move around during the day, and we can't. So they're like, for our own safety, let's enforce this little policy we like to call the masquerade, which is basically, don't let the majority of humans know that vampires exist, keep it secret, keep it safe, and everyone will be happy. And by the way, we're also going to throw in a few like a cheeky like rules and regulations just to make sure us really old vampires like stay in charge of the younger vampires because that's the way we like it so they're basically <laughs> your you sort of a i suppose you're sort of your corporate sort of faction where it's like oh yeah you're a if you're a vampire and you pay your dues for like five thousand years eventually you might get a seat at the big boy table and be able to like do something but realistically, okay. previously, that didn't tend to happen because by the time you're 5,000 years old, whatever vampire was above you is now 5,000 years older. So it was basically um, a society designed to keep like the oldest vampires in charge it, and keep the younger vampires running around working for them. But uh, okay. recently, for, for reasons which we may or may not go into in the game, a huge whacking portion of the oldest vampires from the Camarilla suddenly felt this mysterious call known as the beckoning. And they all just dropped what they were doing as far as the younger vampires are concerned and they all just sodded off to the Middle East and just sort of like abandoned their posts. So suddenly all these sort of like, I suppose like teenage vampires and sort of middle-aged vampires are like, oh, like our parents have just like vanished. You know, the people who were sort of in charge. So there's, it's thrown a huge spanner in the works, but also it's a time of unparalleled opportunity for the, for the younger vampires because now, you know, maybe they can finally make a difference because they, they haven't got to be beholden to all these older vampires who've disappeared. But again, with the ever-present uh, sort of theme of paranoia in the vampire world, some of them are like, oh yeah, it's all very well, but like, what about when they come back? What's going to happen then? And some people are like, oh, yeah, well, they're not going to come back. Or, yeah, well, we're never going to get this chance again. Okay. Now, if we were going for a game made up of uh, the Clan of Death, the Clan of Death does not belong to the Camarilla. The nearest they got to sort of cooperating with them was signing that document where they were like, oh, you go your way, we'll go our way. Okay, and then if the guys are doing the death clan, death cult, yep. does that kind of negate us being able to do Camarilla? No, plans? we could have Camarilla vampires because another advantage of the Camarilla being a bit fractured at the minute is a lot of vampires are starting to look outside the the traditional sort of faction relationships because previously, if you'd have said, oh, do you know what? I met this Giovanni vampire who was like really useful and really handy, and I'm thinking I'm forming a coterie, effectively, a, a group with a Giovanni. Like all the elders in the Camarilla would have been like, no, no, I don't think so. And you would have got a lot of social pressure that would probably have stopped a lot of vampires from doing that. But now, 
everyone's pretty much trying to consolidate their own power bases or they've disappeared to the Middle East. There's not really anyone to sort of wag the vampire parental finger at people in the same way. So a lot of people are sort of going, well, yeah, you know, like it's desperate times, you know, if you, if you've got like a Giovanni ally who can help you like get up, get a step further up the ladder, maybe that's the smart thing to do. Okay. Put a little summary of my like very condensed notes in the uh, chat there. Awesome. Appreciate it. I have got to say they've done something that I don't think was possible in Vampire the Fifth Edition that they've almost made the Anarch faction palatable to me. I I think John, that's one of those things where we just need to play and we'll we'll get there. I think we'll get there because now it's no longer the uh, the loyal opposition, which is oh. the fucking what the shit. But let's not get into that. But now they're actually like taking heads. So yeah, to to, <laughs> cool. to, to explain to you guys, there was also like. A, used to be a sub-faction of the camera called the Anarchs, and they were like the young rebellious vampires. We're like, fuck the man! Yeah, we do what we want! However, they were still technically members of the Camarilla, so they were, they were all sort of big and bolshy and like, yeah, we do what we want, until they got into trouble, and then they were sort of like, oh, still got, still got to look for the Camarilla! Still got to look for you! Whereas, w once I, the shit hit the fan, basically, the Camarilla were like, look, we, we don't need all these like rowdy like idiots causing us trouble when we're trying to get our own house in order. So they were like, oh, Anarchs, you can either like join the Camarilla properly or you can like GTFO. And they just expelled them from the Camarilla. So they have actually become like more of a faction now. They can't just sort of like go back to the Camarilla whenever the going gets done. See, see Dave laughing because he knows I'm sure I don't like Anarchs. I'm, I'm not a big <laughs> fan myself, mate. <laughs> I'd rather have a hundred people playing a bloodline than one player playing an anarch. Hundred Kiasid versus one anarch. Which one are we doing? Uh, let's do the Kiasid. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, man, that, that'd be an easy game for me to run. Right, you're all sitting in a library. Yeah. In my, book club. And, and, and then I would just record myself <laughs> saying that, and I'll repeat it every session. I saw a, a video clip of me going, "You're still in the library." Every once in a while, John, I go, "Shh." <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, very, very vampire inside baseball. Um, <laughs> uh, do we have any any particular preference uh, to any of the various groups that we've talked about here? Um, so I have done very little research at all. It's mm -hmm. But my backstory that I'm kind of working through in my head kind of looked at the gangrel as like the nice. hunter type animal pest type theme that I was going for for my um, starving partisan in the 40s during the Second World War kind of background um, so that's what I'm leaning towards um, Yeah, I believe the if I remember correctly the Gangrel are as a clan they're, they're mostly sort of anarchs at the moment because originally like, yep. back, back in the, the Hallucian days of like the 80s and 90s they used to be members of the Camarilla but then something happened and like a lot of the very influential older gangrel were like nah forget this we're leaving and they took most of their clan with them there are still members of the gangrel within the camarilla 
you know, they, they, they used to get a bit of the older uh, stink eye because they'd be like, oh, well, all of your clan have left. Like, why have you stayed behind? Yeah. They're also very good in combat, Rob. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's... They, they, their, their abilities they have are basically uh, animalism, which is like talking to animals, attracting animals, stuff like that. Fortitude, which is supernatural toughness. And um, protean, which is pretty much a, a grab bag of powers you think Dracula might have had, like a gl okay. glowing red eyes to like seeing darkness, sprouting like claws that can do horrible damage, melding with the earth, so effectively you can sort of like just sink into the ground and like rest below the soil, stuff like that at high levels, like turning into mist and or like a wolf or a bat and stuff like that. Okay, cool. So that 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 so that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm not married to it if we do decide we want to all be the same clan but that's where i had kind of gone as i said rob i think there's more fun in variation to be honest <clears throat> yeah i i kind of like the idea because we are sort of riffing heavily on the like the number one big thing in the current sort of background story uh, in the current day of of this edition which is the uh the sort of like crumbling of the old order like the we're looking at um venice which is like the number one place for the clan of death across all of the editions but they a lot of their elders died to the inquisition the second inquisition and then they killed the rest on their own as a part of their sort of reorganization uh <laughs> tidying up the the company structure is what they yeah, call that to, to basically very yeah, simply explain but... it the um the, the clan of death were originally a clan of vampires called the cappadocians and then at one point in time they were like oh this uh this mortal uh, Italian family called like the Giovanni, they seem to have it going on. Oh, let's bring them into the clan of death. So they turn loads of them into vampires. And then the Giovanni like mounted like the mother of all like hostile takeover bids and just like wiped out most of the Cappadocians. And they were like, we're the clan of death now. Like respect our authority. So when it came to like this promise starting to run out of the clan of death, because a few, a few survived and there were a few scatterings of other bloodlines. When this um, promise started to run out, and the, the the clan of death were like, oh shit, you know, we we like all of these disparate bloodlines and sort of cousins and stuff like vampiric cousins and stuff like that. Like we really don't like each other, but we like everyone else a hell of a lot less. And like we we might need someone to have our back when this promise runs out. The Camarilla start getting a bit rowdy, so they basically bought all of like the family together, and they were like. Oh yeah, we know us Giovanni have been like shitting on the rest of you from a great height, but that was the old Giovanni, like the elder vampires. With the younger Giovanni, it wasn't our fault. And to prove our good intention, here's a load of our elders that we're just giving you to like kill. There you go, enjoy yourself. <laughs> so, so, so we're all friends now, right? We we good? Yeah, we good. And the other, yeah, and then, and that they, they they sort of got together and sort of meshed together as the Hikata. So it's like this bundle of different sort of bloodlines, all aspected with death, that have been jammed together. And because like everyone's losing, like the like the old money is dying now uh, in this everything <laughs> everywhere in the setting. So I kind of like the idea that because of this, also as John, I think you wrote in your sort of preliminary, like this is this is Venice. Um, like it's no longer like 100% Giovanni. Like there's not like a Putanesca bouncer at the door <laughs> of Venice, like checking everyone's ID. Like, dude, are you are you Camarilla, dude? Um, so I kind of like the idea that 
we would have uh, like a delegation of some outside body here as well that has interest in the city working together with, you know, the, well, represented at least at this point by Dave, the, um, uh, the, the sort of locals. <laughs> yeah, it used to be the case sort of like back in the day that Venice was the, the Giovanni city. Like if you went to Venice and you weren't a Giovanni, you were being watched, you were being spied on. And like if you if they decided they didn't want you there, you would either leave pretty quickly or you would like disappear. Because it was like the one big city that they held. However, as Johannes and myself were saying, a lot of the eldest of the Giovanni have now been wiped out. The the clan of death as a whole is still pretty busy sort of reorganizing themselves. So they don't have the numbers or the raw strength now to just have Venice on lockdown. So and granted, the Camarilla's also in trouble and is trying to sort their stuff out. So they don't have the strength just to like sweep in and be like, oh, Venice is a Camarilla city. But individual vampires and groups of small groups of vampires like Coteries have started like moving into Venice because, you know, they can. They, they can take territory there. They can have like interests there. Whereas previously, because it, it's very difficult, particularly in the modern world, for like new territory in terms of vampires to like open up whereas venice which was previously entirely on sort of like lockdown by the clan of death now it's starting to open up a bit more and like younger vampires are like oh yeah i might still be a bit restricted here because everything's under the control of somebody already but i hear there's stuff up for grabs in venice or again you could be people from venice locals who've been embraced by vampires who will travel them I and it's a, a tried and true vampiric tactic let's say let's say you're an american vampire or an english vampire and you go right i'm gonna move to venice because i hear that's like the cool new place to be you go to venice you know nothing about it you know nothing about the place the easiest way to like get up to speed especially if you're an older vampire and you're a little bit out of touch with the modern world is to find a local turn him into a vampire who's beholden to you and then be like, right, you're going to be like my eyes and ears and like doing all this, all the grunt work for me in Venice until I like become acclimatized to it. So it could be a case of, just to use Gangrel as an example, your character doesn't have to be, it could be a case of you're a local to Venice, some Gangrel's moved in for whatever reason we decide, and he's like, all right, I've either been looking for someone to make into a vampire, like a childer, or I just want someone to help me acclimatize. Right, I've picked this guy here embraces you before you know it you're a gangrel yourself but i would i would suggest um since we're talking about doing a sort of more investigative game you'll be first of all sort of focus on you know what you guys want as a group not so much in the the vampire stakes but what sort of characters you want for this sort of like occult investigative group and we can then start sort of filling out the other bits of it yeah if we were the csi venice team yeah basically yeah what what would we be because that's what we're doing right yeah pretty much yeah because <laughs> someone's been dropping bodies and we need to figure that out so we're essentially taking all the things that you know like supernatural x files like csi and then we just sort of mashing them together and then we sort of put in like a put in like a vampire like sheen on top of it so, and, and this is probably going to be a bit less 
your typical sort of vampire games, the stereotypical vampire game tends to be very focused on, you know, like trying to retain your humanity and, you know, that whole sort of monster I am, lesser monster I become sort of vibe, which there will still be some of that in this game because it's built into the mechanics. But we're also sort of shifting the focus more onto this sort of like investigation plot. So I think if you guys decide like what sort of investigators you want to play, basically, and how you want to sort of work as a group, we can then sort of add the vampire that's on top of that. If I remember correctly as well, <clears throat> in the old world, back in the day, one of the stereotypes for Gangrel was actually a cop. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Did they still get the um, sea wolves in the Gangrel? I don't think they talk about them at all. Yeah, they, they've, they've not been mentioned at all in the latest version of the game. Yeah, it's, it's I just thought with all the water around, it might be like something right up Rob Street. <laughs> yeah, depending on like what, what kind of... like This is getting rather nitty-gritty, like the, the flavor bits in your background, Rob, but because like you mentioned the gangrel now, and um, if, Rob, your character is like someone from... You said the World War? Yeah. Yeah, so your your character might be someone from the World War, but because the Gangrel, usually uh, they have a lot of stuff going on in sort of the northern bits of Europe, generally. And uh, if if you know your history, you know that the Normans went all over Italy. <laughs> so uh, you could pull in some kind of Norman guy um, from history, depending on how esoteric and weird you want to get. With that sort of I mean, thing, also, but... if I remember correctly, in the <laughs> Second World War, um, the Gangrel, the Tremere, and the Vontry were all heavily invested in it. You know, the, the, war, the Gangrel the, in the war, yeah, but the Gangrel yeah. were invested because of the amount of destruction. Um, mm -hmm. The Tremere were having a power struggle with everybody mm -hmm. and saw it as a great way to drop a couple of magical nukes. And the uh, Vontry just mainly at that point, as they were kind of fading out of the, the Knights of Order. You know, they were heavily invested as protectors of the um, lands they owned. That's just some useless, oh, what non yeah. nonsense for you. <laughs> but so, Rob, um, do you have ideas? And I'm just asking because you, you, you brought out some ideas here. Um, do you have ideas for like what your character was about uh, um... in, in the war? Uh, I'm thinking of those um, the North Italian partisans, mm -hmm. uh, you know, resistance against the Germans, kind of, uh, kind of feral tactics, kind of real, mm -hmm. yeah, guerrilla, um, yeah, guerrilla warfare type things mm -hmm. is where where I kind of went with it, um, because I know that there was a bit of that or a lot of that in North North Italy, uh, North yeah, resistance Italy. movements, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where I was started in terms of I was in that I was near death i got saved by a vampire of some description um um and i kind of grew into that kind of you know mountain man type hunter tracker kind of mm -hmm. kind of matured then into more of a, a private eye kind of type thing or you know a finder of lost people mm -hmm. You know, that, that kind of, you know, as he kind of matured out of the kind of 50s into the 70s, 80s, kind of, you know, matured with it, became much more, you know, technology adept and kind of moved away from traditional tracking of animals in the 
wilderness to kind of tracking people in the urban setting mm-hmm. so that's that's yeah. the nice yeah i yeah, like it i like it's it. kind of where i'm yeah i thought it was a a balance but so yeah see so sort of tracker turned bounty hunter sort of yeah style. yeah i think that's yeah where the I bounty hunter <laughs> nice yeah i think we definitely work with that yeah Darren, have you got any thoughts about um, what you'd like to play in terms of like the person that your character was before you became a vampire? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the problem I've got is I've got no history background or anything from this, and you guys obviously have uh, got loads of it. So my concern is with a sort of learned character or anyone with any sort of real knowledge, it's going to fall flat. Because I ain't gonna have any. Because um, I first originally thought of sort of a guy who was investigating vampires, you know, rumors, and and he was looking into it, and he wanted to get you know more involved in learning and following all the paper clippings, and you know, and traveling around. Oh, this has been sighted, or this weird thing happened, and he got too close to it, and obviously you know for whatever reason was was turned into a vampire himself but then that would mean you'd have to have some knowledge you know that you could follow that up with i really like that idea the, the sort of like ghost hunter uh slash like cryptozoologist guy <laughs> yeah conspiracy yeah, theories you, yeah you're sort of well not an indiana jones because it's not really items he's looking mm. for but just following you know stories and rumors some sort of like your fox baller t- sort of type yeah and took the wrong turn and somewhere and ended up in a club with you know a bunch of bloody vampires or, or something happened where you know he went down a wrong wrong alleyway one day you know getting too close to it and uh you know someone took i think we can definitely do that and i mean in terms of in terms of you not knowing like scads about like the the vampire background, I don't mm. see that as being a, a problem any more than if we if we sort of played a D and D game and you didn't know all the background of the campaign world. It it's very easy. For, like obviously, if you've if you've got the the stats and the background to match that, you can very <laughs> easily just say to me like, "Oh, what do I know about this?" And I can give you like all the details you want. Yeah, no, no, I'm just throwing it out as you know. No, I, I like that. And Dave have obviously got loads of information and knowledge and all these on these different clans and that. But I like the idea of that. But yeah, I just didn't want to sort of let the side down if I, mean, if I ain't got the knowledge. To be fair to Darren, you know, I've got a lot of information about the old world of darkness version five. It's, it's all new to me. I, w- I would say like n- no worries on that point because like. It's, it's it's that old chestnut of like I'm playing a character with always going back to D and D, but like playing uh, Call of Cthulhu with a character that has like ninety percent out of hundred in theoretical physics. I don't know shit about that, but I will yeah, yeah. I roll that skill all day. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean if yeah if yeah, and I mean John the and Johnny and everyone's happy with it. Then... Yeah, I mean I'm more than happy. With it. I mean the, in terms of the whole sort of like wider stuff as well. Beyond the boundaries of Venice, it, it shouldn't be too necessary to know all of that because part of the part of the thing about vampire, one of the things I do like about it is because vampires are very urban sort of creatures, obviously because that's where the food is. 
I mean, Gangrel range a bit further afield because when it starts getting daylight, they can just sink down into the soil. A lot of them don't have to worry about finding anywhere to sleep. But most vampires tend to be like congregated around cities, and generally a game will sort of like stay with that particular city. You won't be sort of like globe trotting or anything like that. So I don't think we need to worry too much about stuff that's going on outside the city. And I'm more than happy to like provide you with information that your character might know and that you would you might not know. I mean, there's, there's very there's you could probably count them on hand the amount of clans that actually free roam around the world, and one of them it's because they're forced to by their bane. So yeah, I mean, I don't, and then the other thing is I don't know how old these guys are. I mean, does that make any difference? Generally, a young vampire, you know, you're probably talking within a hundred years right and we're probably you know. all going to be that sort of age yeah, group sort the, of the way the the way the game recommends doing it is having all of the the people in a particular player group in the same sort of age range and there's three age brackets given in the game there's the childer who are the youngest vampires and those are vampires that were embraced within the last 15 years there are the neonates who were embraced between 1940s and a decade ago. And then there's the ancilla who were embraced between 1780 and 1940. Now, obviously, there are vampires older than that, but those are the three sort of age brackets that it recommends you start with. And essentially what that means in terms of mechanics is if you play Childer, that's the basic bog standard, create your character, boom, done. If you play neonates, you get some extra experience points. If you play Ancilla, you get slightly more experience points to start off with. It's like, again, to go back to D&D, it's like the D&D equivalent of going, like, right, are we starting at first level, third level, or fifth level in this game? Yeah. yeah. Well, if if Rob's keen on doing his, his sort of Second World War sort of carry on from that, then I think that, you know, that fit in with that and we'll go for the, the sort of middle one, I guess. Sort of... Neonate. Yeah, so so neonates tend to be uh they were embraced between nineteen fourteen a decade ago. They tend to be twelfth or thirteenth generation. And basically in addition to the, the main character gem, which we'll do in a bit, you get like an extra fifteen experience points. And that's okay. pretty much all yeah. there is to it in terms of mechanics. Cool. So I'll make a note we're gonna neonates. And is there a, an obvious choice with clans then, which would tie into sort of what I'm trying to right. create there? The investigate, the investigative sort of like occult clan. It, it's a it's a dead cert for like the clan of death, that they're all about that occult business. There's also the Tremere, who are effectively vamp- vampire like hermetic wizards, for want of a better term, and they used to be like oh. We're, we're the fucking magic clan. No one can touch us. We've got all that sorcery. And then, like, the, the Second Inquisition sort of were like, oh, you're also very easy to spot, and we've wiped out most of you. So now there's only, like, a few of them left. They, they and I actually do mean to say Vienna here, they used to have their head chantry in Vienna, which was like, oh, we've got all of our occult libraries. Central. Here. Yeah, we've got all of our Central knowledge. Central Vienna. All centralised in this nice... This nice one place. 
Or what's that? The Second Inquisition have like blown it up, claiming it was a terrorist headquarter. Oh, we've lost all our eldest vampires and like all of this knowledge we'd accumulated over a hundred years, and the only Tremere who are left are the sort of younger ones or the ones who just happened to be away from the Vienna Chantry when it like blew up. <clears throat> so they they've gone from being like literally like we are the second most powerful clan in the Camarilla. The Ventro are like the big money men and the sort of business leaders, but we're the power behind the throne to like, oh shit, there's hardly any of us left. And like everyone hates our guts because we've been like bigging ourselves up for all these years. Oh, we've got to make like new alliances and we've got to like secure ourselves. And they're, they're in a bit of a mad, like everyone, they're in a bit of a mad scramble trying to like secure their positions. So Tremere could work. Um, there's the La Sombra who are like a clan of shadows who also have a bit of an occult bent. Um, they used to belong to uh, an entirely monstrous clan of uh, sect of vampires known as the Sabbat, who were basically like, oh, whereas the Camarilla thinks we should try and like hold on to our humanity and sort of play nice with the food. No, forget that. We're monsters, let's be monsters. But let's not be monsters so much that like, the humans wipe us out. However, recently the Sabbat have had like complicated things happening with them and a lot of the Lazombra have sort of jumped across to the other sects so they're potentially available they have sort of powers that deal with like manipulating shadows and the abyss and stuff like that so uh, to uh, jump in here <laughs> with some thoughts that I have because um, the idea was like you're uh sort of following a trail and it leads you too far down the rabbit hole and then someone mm -hmm. gets you probably because you a found something that you weren't supposed to or someone was really impressed with your ability to find it at all mm -hmm. um and just based on these two things it, it doesn't help you but could be anything uh could be any any clan uh, at all really i was and just gonna some say of... ironically you've picked the background that could work with any clan of yeah. vampires and uh depending on sort of what um what sort of flavor uh you would like i i was instantly thinking nosferatu which is a, is a bit more sort of uh, there they can be somewhat easy to pick out from a crowd depending <laughs> but um they are sort of rather uh well sneaky <laughs> I'll, I'll say so um that sounds that sounds interesting yeah they also have a uh, as Janice was thinking like that they have a bane which there's always something like eerie and off about them that makes them easy to pick out so back in the day it tended to be they, they look like this they like get deformed or they look like the stereotypical nosferatu you know like bold pointy ears big fangs and hence why they had a lot of like abilities related to like disguising themselves or hiding themselves <clears throat> in the new version of the game it's been ref sort of like refined slightly so you don't have to have like physical deformities it could just be something in the way you move maybe like you never blink but there's always something off about you that makes like normal folk a bit on edge and a bit uncomfortable around you that's their bane so they they tend to sort of keep to themselves and within their clan they're not sort of like your socialite torrid or like going out and living it up and like party at the uh, party of the blood rave every night. Yeah, and yeah. they have a lot of uh, sort of potential because of their magic vampire stuff. Um, they get like ostensibly like invisibility type things. 
um, doing very, very sneaky stuff. And, uh, that, that's and they're also hard as nails. Yeah, yeah, and they have they have rat friends, so that's also cool. Yeah, the sort of stereotype of them is they tended to like reside in sewers. They have animalism similar to the gangrel, which gives them power over animals, and they can communicate with them. They have instead of like, fortitude, like toughness, like the gangrel have, they have potence, which is like supernatural strength. They also have something called obfuscate, which at low levels is you don't make yourself invisible but like people's eyes just like slide over you and they don't register they've seen you whereas when you get to like higher levels you can be like oh you've seen me but you've actually seen like an entirely different face and you can make yourself look like other people or you could make yourself like oh i'm you've seen me but i am mr generic who you will pay no attention to so they can they sort of like at higher levels they can move through crowds without anyone paying any attention to them or spotting them people still might be like oh so, so much walked over my grave oh, i felt i felt a bit weird then like something's happened but if you've got these powers on they wouldn't instantly be like it's him over there they'd just be like oh so, oh, i just had like a bit of a shiver i'm not sure why oh, oh anyway um mysterious stranger i'm talking to let me carry on telling you about this thing i was talking about that sort of dealio yeah that would give that a go i think okay So you're sort of going for a, a Mulder-esque investigator. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay. All right, so Dave, uh, Putanesca, did you have ideas for how high up the ladder this character would be? I've not got to that bit, because obviously it depends what's available um, in terms of point spend. Mm. I, don't, I don't think the character is going to be low, because they're typically an enforcer. So, I'll yeah. say, what, what sort of, a, what sort of like <clears throat> concept for the character are you thinking of? I'm going to go with Fem Patel, John. Femme fatale. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because no one ever expects to be landed on their ass by a woman that looks good. That's a that's a great twist on the Putanesca who are <laughs> just you know Godfather rolling in. That's it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. a new dawn. Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. That's right. It's it's, it's a brave new world. You know, two thousand. Yeah, the brave brave new world of two thousand and twelve. That's it. <laughs> Right. Okay. So, sort of like enforcer Putanesca. Yeah. Um, because I've I've probably going to be your bodyguard if you like. <laughs> yeah. A the, genius. <laughs> one of one of the reasons why I've sort of been um, trying to ask you guys about your stuff is because I found out that I don't have like a strong uh, immediate like jump out thing that I want to do myself. So I was sort of fumbling around trying to find if, if there's something that I could latch on to with your, your guys' concepts there. Um, and I, there's a lot that I could do, probably. Uh, and I guess this is a good point here, because I doubt that Dave's <laughs> Putanesca and Fursa is going to be like a necromantic prodigy. Um, <laughs> there's a... How can I use this to hurt people? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what What do you mean, bone? Like, the ritual is I'm going to stick this where the sun don't shine. That's, that's the ritual. <laughs> um, 
do we want to bring in like occult stuff or do we want to go in with a like actual you know let's have like one of those uh conspiracy boards up and the 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 twine connecting the different photographs that we've taken or do we want to bring in like necromancy and sorcery yeah, bring in the necromancy i said there's there's two sort of the, the way i see it there's two so there's a sort of sharp dividing line in like vampire abilities where there's the ones that are obviously supernatural but they're they're like human characteristics taken to an extreme so like fortitude there's very tough people about but vampires are tougher potence the strong people about but vampires are stronger then you get to things like the sort of lesser sort of like occult stuff like the the protein that the gangrel have you know sprouting claws seeing in the dark with like red eyes and stuff like that the nosferatu sort of making themselves technically invisible and then you get to like the really sort of occult stuff that like the tremia and the, the hakata have where you're like oh uh, i'm summoning fire from the air or i'm summoning up the ghost of this person who died to like question them so i suppose what we're sort of trying to get at here is do we want to sort of within the limits of the fact we're all playing vampires and like a fictional version of uh, venice obviously hey <laughs> <laughs> do, do we want to try and keep it to the sort of not the more realistic ones but you know the more sort of like understandable sort of abilities or do we just want to throw caution to the wind and be like yeah you're summoning ghosts you're doing strange weird rituals all of which can be very useful in an investigation because like you know you find someone who's dead if you can like be like oh get your ghost out here and like tell me who killed you that's very useful but it's it's a very different flavor to if you want to have an investigation where you're like like you say like conspiracy board and we're sort of like talking to witnesses and stuff like that so and, and i think either could work i'd be happy with either so i don't know what you guys think i'm all for the occult john you know i'm always yeah i'm always in for something that makes life a little bit harder for everybody <laughs> <laughs> but you know if you're investigating dead bodies and stuff having somebody that can suck a soul out of thin air you know that's always a bonus <laughs> yeah i think it'd be good to include something like that Okay. Yeah, yeah. Kind of an added element. It's different parts of the game that would be yeah, included, wouldn't it? Well, you say it's yeah. just a, a bit more variety in it, isn't it? Yeah, and it's sort of like it's a big question directed like squarely. Like uh, you, you guys can't see it, but I have a special camera in in John's house where there's a like a Giovanni laser pointer pointing at his head right now because he's gonna have to answer all the ghost questions <laughs> if I bring in a necromancer. So that's like a different it's a different line of work as compared to like i have three dots in influence i'm gonna go talk to my police buddies like it's like oh i'm yeah, yeah. oh did someone die john here's a ghost and i to be honest i think you know the carter be throwing everything they can at finding out what's going on especially in their own backyard so they're definitely throwing a cultist in with people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah Another thing to mention, which I actually only found out the other day, but which, I, and I don't know if this has any relation to why they chose uh, Venice to be the home of the Giovanni in like the World of Darkness, but there's like an island which is just basically a big cemetery in like, mm-hmm. Vienna. Because back in the day, they were like, look, there's not enough land to be like burying all these dead people here. 
where should we bury him? Oh, there's that island over there that no one's built any houses on. And then over the years, everyone who's like died pretty much in Venice has been like buried on this island. So it, it is just like a huge graveyard. Yeah, it's one massive mausoleum, isn't it? Yeah, basically, yeah. Which I, I thought was a cool fact. I only found it out the other day when I was uh, doing a bit more research. But um, yeah, so this I'm perfect, obviously, by the fact I've suggested a having some of the clan of death in it and setting it in a in venice you can take it as red that i'm happy to do all the sort of ghost reffing and stuff like that that's absolutely fine all right okay so i will have a browse of my options here because i for a while i was thinking like it'd be it'd be just you know plain old basic fun rolling in with a ventru who has more money than sense and just having a good night on town but um i'll i'll go through yeah, the... just go for the cappadocians it's the same kind of period <laughs> okay, you guys, i'm gonna go and switch the light on nip to the conveniences when i cut obviously if anyone needs a bit of time to refresh your drinks or whatever please go ahead and do that then when we come back we'll start sort of again very slowly working our way through the character gen process we'll take it a step <laughs> at a time and we'll uh we'll see how we get on I'll back in a few moments. Right, so the game also recommends that you create a relationship diagram with like the various NPCs, player characters on and stuff like that. So what I'm doing is rather than try and mess around laying it out on the VTT, I'm just setting up a Google Drawings doc in my Google Drive. So Let's see if I share the link for that. 
post that in the chat when you go to it it's just going to be like a big blank screen but hopefully we should be able to you know drop text boxes onto it and draw various bits onto it so freehand anyone who's got the link should be able to edit it see that people have logged on to it yep okay and what this is is as we as we sort of go along so for each vampire obviously you have a sire the vampire that made you into a vampire we add those on there as you put your backgrounds in you might get npcs connected with you from certain backgrounds you you pick certain what are called touchstones which are people who help sort of ground you and keep you in touch with the person you used to be before you became a vampire they help you maintain your humanity so those will get added onto there as well and we basically just draw a diagram where we're like this is our starting cast of characters and obviously we can sort of add to that as the the game goes on right so characters there so in terms of clans so you pick your clan which we've pretty much already done we've got Johannes uh, and Dave as Hecata we've got Rob as Gangrel we've got Darren as Nosferatu so write that in the clan space on your character sheet we then have you we're going to put your sire's name so obviously you will need a character name for yourself i did put i forget exactly where i posted it a list of a, a sort of italian name generators in case you couldn't think of any i think i posted it either on the event or in the group i just put it into the chat there brilliant thanks very much rob much appreciated so once you guys have picked your character names <coughs> i see uh, Johannes and Dave are on it. They've already added themselves onto the the character sheet. Although, well, the relationship map. Although those names might be a little bit on the nose. <laughs> I am the one who necromances. Oh, so, Johannes is just gonna. So, so uh, the necromancer. What's uh, what's your deal? <laughs> yeah. well, what, yeah, what do you I, bring uh... into this group? Uh, well, aside aside from this like bone motif on this like dark robe I'm wearing. <laughs> my um silk robe is fantastic you feel the fabric i'll have you know i was a i was a silver medalist in the 2012 uh, emperor palpatine lookalike competition <laughs> yeah. is it possible to learn this power not from the camarilla <laughs> <laughs> okay so if you want to add your name onto the uh your character name onto it as well darren So we can we can move all of these around as we need to. So I'm just going to spread these out a little bit. And obviously, Johannes and Dave, when you come up with the actual names for your characters, just drop them on there.
Okay. So the next thing to do, and I appreciate this is a lot of names, but like I say, you've got a, you've got a name generator. The next thing to do is to put the name of your sire, the person who turned you into a vampire, on the relationship diagram. Did they go into the predator tab? No, they just go on the relationship diagram, not your character sheet. Okay. Right. I think if you look, if you see there's a there's a tab called description on your character sheet. There's a box on there for sire. So you can put it in there if you wish. The size name just on the Google Doc. Yeah, like I say, also there is a there is a box on the character sheet in the description tab for Sire as well, so you can put the name in there as well if you want. Nice. I would say put them in a separate text box to your uh, your own name though, because then obviously we can sort of like move them around separately and whatnot. I do quite a lot of the, uh, well, I know it's a bit tongue in cheek, but I do quite a lot of thought of Johannes' uh, character being like, I'm a necromancer, like my father before me. My family's been in the <laughs> necromancy game nigh 150 years. <laughs> Hardest game in the world. It's a family business. I, I'm I'm Mr. Necromancer Jr. That's it. It's the only family business where, like, death doesn't guarantee that you leave the family business. Mm hmm. <laughs> When he's gonna, when he's like, he's sticking around. He is dead. He should retire. Oh, nice. Okay, so what we're gonna do next is I am going to draw. An arrow between the sire names and the character names. Like I said, this doesn't have to look perfect, it's just. Ignore the fact that I seem to be popping arrows everywhere. Are they going out of fashion? That's such a bizarre way of working a Google Draw. I don't know why you do that. There we go. Okay, so what I'd like you guys to do now is somewhere next to the arrow pointing from your sire to you just write in a brief one or two word description of what your character's relationship is like with your sire 
Now, if your site is not even in your character's life anymore, it could just be like, no, you don't know your site, you never really did. You, you might get on with them really well, you might hate them, entirely down to you. And what I would suggest doing is putting what your sire thinks of you first, then a slash, then like what you think of your sire. And obviously we can neaten up all this later, it's just to give us an idea about where we are. I've got to say, uh, Rob, you're winning for like the coolest sire name so far. <clears throat> yeah, well, look, I, I tend to steal my ideas from the books that I read. Um, so I, they're not my ideas. I'm just regurgitating them. I, I'm, I'm a GM. Like, I know all about stealing ideas to like using roleplay games. So uh, that doesn't make it any lesser. Any less valuable. And as I say, what we'll do is we'll go through the, the normal character journeys we're doing now. Then at the end, we'll add the extra XP on for you guys being neonates. So bear in mind, as you're sort of allocating your dots and whatnot you will get some extra stuff but we're not going to add that on until the end because at the minute we're creating your character as they were when they were first became a vampire and then the extra xp will be like oh and this is how you changed over those decades before you reach the modern nights of 2012 um a, a broad question to the group, if uh, I, I may be allowed a disruption to your thought process. Um, um, a um, highly placed Giovanni uh, prodigy necromancer dude, uh, probably uh, groomed by one of the sort of not quite elders that didn't get decapitated, um, or a um, somewhat more esoteric um, Cappadocian uh, individual of uh, well, because the the Cappadocians, it, it's hard to summarize, really, huh? Um, like seven different clan histories. Um, Cappadocians. I was going to say, did you notice how I wasn't interrupted to interject when you were like the Cappadocians? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. You good? good. The um, Cappadocians weren't really around for six hundred years. Um, turns out some of them survived uh, via various means and and they also came up to the family reunion and uh, they're kind of the like ogs but everyone thought they were gone <laughs> so <laughs> it's sort of like uh okay I, I guess you guys are still here huh <laughs> uh, um, so cappadocian I... or like a sort of like highly placed modern giovanni I think if you go down the Giovanni route, they have to be kind of useless or not good at what they do. Whereas I think... also got the other bloodlines that are in the Clan of Death. Um, but an esoteric kind of 
calculation mm-hmm. or that kind of who's again I'm not going to remember how to these things, but um, that kind of esoteric kind of um, Sherlock Holmes type. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that feels like a good. Also, you like playing esoteric characters, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. Yeah, I, uh, that's like I'm asking you guys to please guide me to choose something else. <laughs> um, I do like the bumbler idea, you know. The you know, he's in the Giovanni, but he's not there because he's basically useless as well. Is, he uh, just, is, is, uh, is like, yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say, if you wanted to play against type, how about you go for like a really sinister, like harbinger of schools? That that's pretty yeah, against. I'm, type. I'm looking at the Harbingers of Asher sheet right now, John. <laughs> Which is also the Cappadocian sheet. They don't have their own. It's the, it's, it's the same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Nagaraja part. Or the... Yep. the Nagaraja have a wonderful sheet. And that's the sort of like, that's kind of like the um, homicidal psychopath Sherlock Holmes sheet where they like, they have one thing that basically says like, you know how murders work. So you go into a room and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, this is this is how I would have killed this guy. Yeah. So the um, the Nagaraja bloodline, their bane is like instead of just like drinking blood, they have to literally like eat people. So they're they're sort of like the cannibal cousins of the clan of death. They're they're the ones where like when they did this big reunion and they were getting the clan together, they were like, yeah, they're uh, really they're they're uh, <laughs> they they are in the family. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you wouldn't really want to. Uh, they're the sort of branch of the family we don't really talk about too much. Yeah, we don't talk about them because when they come over for dinner, they bring their own chainsaws and plastic bags. What happened to the barley? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess I guess oh, we'll go a, full that's on. A, that's all I think. I guess we'll we'll go wizard, huh? Uh, on this, so well, let's go with the uh, harbinger slash Cappadocian. Okay, thank you for the input. So now we've got the 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 sires down. Get the names down. The, the sort of relationships down. The next thing we we come to some good old fashioned stats. So the next thing is putting your attributes down. Now, if you look on your character, you can see you've got your physical attributes: strength, dex, and stamina. Your social attributes: charisma, manipulation, and composure. Your mental attributes, intelligence, wits, and resolve, they're all sort of fairly self-explanatory what they do. When you make a roll, it tends to be an attribute paired with a skill, and the number of dots you've got between the two of them is how many dice get rolled. So to alter these, you will need to unclick the padlock. And basically, you get to pick one attribute at level four. That's going to be your highest one. You get to pick three attributes at level three, four attributes at level two, and one attribute at level one. Is that one at four? Yeah, one at four, three at three, four at two, and one at one. Okay, what's manipulation? Is that to do with how you interact with humans? Well, I guess it's, it's, it's generally like in a social situation, like trying to get someone to do what you want but in a sort of in a sort of slightly underhand like sort of socially manipulative manner 
So yeah, like, it's if, generally... you're trying, if you're trying to persuade someone with charisma, it's like people think you're a great guy; they want to help you out. Whereas manipulation, you'd be sort of like, "Oh, do you remember that? Uh, remember that favor I did you like way back when?" And uh, that sort of dirt I've got in you. Oh, it'd be a shame if anyone like found out about that. So it's the slightly more underhanded sort of version. Is how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in in general, like you're doing something social, uh, because manipulation is an attribute, likely you're doing that plus something else. So, okay. Um, uh, so uh, what John was talking about there, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, John, you might have been thinking about subterfuge. Yes. Which yes, is, was, yeah. which is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So manipulation, even though like it's it's worded like that because the 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 game is like it's vampires, yo. <laughs> like they're, they're they're not the good guys. Uh, but manipulation is your like social um, sort of get people to do things that, and then you combine that with various skills, subterfuge, persuasion, intimidation to like put the specific flavor on it. And then there's of course charisma as well, which is the. <laughs> The sort of, I, I guess, the good guy version of being socially influential. Yeah. Okay. And then just uh, so four dots is level four, right? So, yeah. Okay. So each one of them already has three. Has been, okay. So it's a 20 level three. So, John, how many level two did we get? Four. Four, okay. So let me know when you've all done that. Like I said, there's no mad rush though. That's a pretty cool picture, Dave. Yeah, man, I was just flicking through all these bloody character avatars I've got. No, no. And another thing that may interest you guys, if you... I don't know if you guys can actually do it, but uh, 
obviously you see where the, the sort of hooded man faces on your character sheet that can be changed to a character picture basically no i can't do it mate but to, to be honest if if i if if you send me the pictures that you want like yeah, yeah. Done, like post it in the the chat i can easily add those on that's not a problem I thought you might not be able to do that because obviously it's reading the the pictures locally from my machine. Yeah, it's a whole world of hurt, mate. Opening that one up. Yep. Okay, so how's everyone doing with that? Done. Okay, so next we have a couple yeah. of secondary characteristics to work out, and those are health, which is at the top on the left, and uh, willpower, which is just to the right of that. And basically the amount of boxes of health you have is equal to your stamina plus three. So if you've got stamina two, you'll have five, which is, I believe, what is set on by default. See so if your stamina is higher or lower than that, you could adjust that. Give me that extra health box. And if you uh, if you un unlock the padlock, you should see just to the left and right of health, there's like a plus and a minus button, which allow you to add boxes onto it. And likewise, there's plus and minus boxes next to willpower when you unlock it. Your willpower is equal to your composure plus your resolve. So, for instance, because I've just got uh, Darren's one open, <laughs> he's got Composure 3, Resolve 3, so he's got Willpower 6. I have Willpower 3. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Okay. So the next thing we're going on to, and obviously at any point, if I'm going too fast for anyone, just shout up. Or if you need me to go over anything, just let me know. The next we're going on to is skills. So these are listed in the section below attributes. Now, there's three potential sort of distributions you can choose from of skills. You can either be a jack-of-all-trades, where you've got like a smattering of loads of stuff, but you're not really an expert in anything. You can have the balanced one, which is like you've got a few that are a bit higher, but you've also still got a fairly nice spread. Or you can go for a specialist where you're sort of your skills are like super focused. You've got like a few of them that are like quite high, but you don't really get that distribution. And that it's down to each individual person to decide which of those they want. I'm going to go for focus, John. Okay, so the specialist. So you yeah. get, you might want to jot this down. You get one mm -hmm. skill at level four. Yeah. Three skills at level three. Yeah. Three skills at level two and three skills at level one. Obviously, that's the same for anyone else who wants to go for specialist. Is there anyone who wants to go for like the jack of all trades, where you get the broad sort of distribution? Yeah, I was considering it. Uh, I've got I've got the list here, John. So you don't have to okay. read it out. But yeah, uh, how many skills are there? Twenty-seven skills. 
give you 19. Sorry, John, can you read out to me the Jack of All Trades split? Yep, you get one skill at level three. You get eight skills at level two and ten skills at level one. Okay, and then balanced as well? Yeah, the balanced one, you get three skills at level three, five skills at level two, and seven skills at level one. Okay. Balanced, I think. I'll just go work out what ones. Yeah, and the the skills are fairly sort of self-explanatory, but if anyone does need an explanation of what the skills are, obviously just shout up. More than happy to do that. Yeah. Sorry. Overall, I'm probably lagging behind a bit, but I. I, I can take care of myself here. <laughs> don't don't worry about me. Uh, I'm I'm spaffing dots down here now, John. One thing that I did notice is that I've, I've typed in my clan a number of times now, and it, it seems to always revert to clan. The the field there. Okay. That's happened to me as well, actually. Uh, well, I've just changed it for you, Johannes. Uh, All right. I expect it may be uh, maybe like connection issues and stuff like that. Oh, I'll reload the thing. It seemed to retain the dots, so as long as that's good, yeah, <laughs> then we're, we're, we're fine. Yeah, I've done that, John. Okay. Oh yeah, it's it's okay now, done. Thanks. No worries. Okay, so give everyone a moment to spend the skills. Let's know when you've all done that.
I'm very much enjoying randomly as well because obviously I've only got uh, Darren's character sheet at the minute, but I can see you your guys is like cursors moving around on the map. It does look like a little sort of like tracking map with the little dots with the names by sort of like moving around the map of Venice. How's everyone getting along? Oh, mate. I need a few minutes. Sorry, I'm still... Oh, that's absolutely fine, mate. It's not a problem. As I say, for the end of tonight, everyone's got the characters sorted. That, that's all I'm concerned with. <clears throat> Come there. Um, from a combat perspective, um, sorry, I guess never played a vampire game. Are we all kind of brawlers? Are we? What would be normal? I'm a brawler, but that's because from the background, essentially, that's my job. So, Yeah, I mean, it, it depends entirely on your character. I mean, you can, obviously, if you want to be a firearm specialist, you can be. If you want to go for melee combat, you can do. Uh, most vampires 
can sort of boost their physical attributes using their, their the blood they've stolen from people. Obviously, people who specialise in the skills for like brawl and like strength and stuff like that will tend to be have a bit of a head start in that regard. But most vampires, certainly if you're fighting mortals, are like no slouches when it comes to like hand to hand. Okay. And then if I had to craft skill, then I could kind of craft silver bullets and all sorts of shenanigans yeah, yeah, to deal with. Making stuff, yeah. Okay. And the, the bit we'll, we're going to do in a minute once everyone's got their skills down is you get to select a number of sort of specialities. Um, dependent on your skills and those are sort of areas where you get like an extra bonus dice to it so if you've got a craft if you've got the craft skill you get to like get a free speciality in that so let's say oh, okay let's say just for instance you were like oh craft speciality silver weaponry if you had to make a craft roll to make any you get your dice pool and another dice on top of that because that's your sort of focus of your your crafting knowledge okay Okay, I'm done. Okay. As of uh, yeah, I, I think I'm. I think I'm done with the the skill dots. Okay. Yep. Yep. Lovely jubbly. So, the next thing we're going to go on to is specialities. If you look below the skill section, you'll see there's a speciality section, and you can click on add. And it brings up like a default of speciality, skill, academics. And if you click on the edit button, which is like a little pad with a little pencil next to it on the right of that, it'll bring up a box where you can rename the speciality to whatever you want it to be for. And you can also change, if you click on the attribute tab, you can change the, the skill that it applies to. So, and how many do we have? Okay, so if you have the academic skill, the craft skill, the performance or the science skill, you get a free speciality in each of those to represent your field of study. And there are sort of sample lists of those, but it can be pretty much what you want as long as it falls within the sort of broad auspices of that skill. Okay. How many of these do you get, John? Uh, like I say, if you've got academics, craft, performance, and science, you get a speciality for each of those skills that you possess. Right. And, th and then, in addition to those, you get everyone gets one free speciality, which can be in any skill you want. So, I can see here, Darren's got science. He could say, "Take oh, I'm taking biology as my free speciality in science. Then, with, it, with his free one... He could take another speciality in a skill he's already got, or he could just put it in a, a completely different skill. And like I said, mechanically, these specialities mean that if you're using your skill 
in an area where that speciality is appropriate, you get an additional dice to your dice pool. And what you'd need to do, Darren, is, uh, yeah, I can see you're on it already. So at the end of this, you should have a, a minimum of one speciality if you've not got craft, academics, performance or science, up to a maximum of five if you've got those four skills and your free one. Um, sorry, just randomly, would... Um... Like the science of, I guess, finding people or tracking people be a speciality? Is that? I'd say that's probably a bit broad. If you wanted to go for something like, I don't know, like forensics or something, I think you'd oh, okay. prob probably go for that because, you know, then you could use it to sort of like look at trace evidence and then use that to track people. Any idea how you spell forensics? Yep. F O R. Yeah. E N S I C S. Okay. Cool. Okay, so obviously take a, a few minutes to see um, what you want from your special artist, guys. Cool. And then just from a I'd like to take the sniper one as the firearms one. Is that reasonable? Yeah, that's fine. It's not a list, though, is there? It's just what you... There are some examples in the book. Oh, they, are, they are just examples. Yeah, I was looking for a sort of investigation type... Okay, examples. Give me a minute. moment. I will okay, give you some suggestions. Uh, yeah, page one hundred and sixty-nine is where investigation is. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. So potential specialities: criminology, again, forensics, deduction, missing persons, murder, paranormal mysteries, traffic analysis, randomly. You know, for that, uh, for that uh, public planning uh, vampire, we've all been desperate to play. Oh yeah, get me in there, coach. <laughs> missing persons. See, I'm I'm laughing, but I would love to play that. Yeah, and um, for examples for that we've got for science on here, Rob, we've got uh, astronomy, biology, chemistry, demolitions, engineering, genetics, geology, mathematics, and physics. But okay. like I say I think you can include forensics in that as well as investigation. Okay, cool. And like I say, obviously your free speciality, that can be in any of your skills that you have at least one dot in. So it could be one you've already got a speciality and it could be something else entirely, as long as you've got one dot in it.
think I've done that, John. I've got my one free speciality. All right, okay. Well, what have you gone for? Uh, I've gone for melee and I've speciality knife work. Nice. Thanking, is that called? <laughs> knife work. Oh, sorry. I'm again with my yeah. cat. I'm going to cat ya. <laughs> Okay, so we'll move on then. So now we're on to disciplines, which have a separate tab. Yep. So we'll worry about precisely what powers specifically you want to have later. Uh, we'll go with just working on like what dots in disciplines you've got. So basically each clan has access to three disciplines. And you get to basically pick two of those disciplines. One of them you have two dots in, and the other you have one dot in. So, we'll start with the the gangrel. You have a choice of animalism, which, like I say, is calling animals to you, communicating with them, stuff like that. Fortitude, which is supernatural toughness. And protein, which at low levels is like... Being able to see in the dark with glowing red eyes, melding with the earth, sprouting claws, etc. Okay. And you get to pick one of those that you want to be your primary discipline, so you have two dots in. And you get to pick one that you want one dot in. Don't. Okay. Okay, cool. So, the Nosferatu, Darren... They have, again, animalism, which is as I described it previously. Obfuscate, which is veiling yourself from other sight, keeping yourself hidden. And they have potence, which is supernatural strength. So again, you get to pick one of those at level 2 and one at level 1. And as for our two Hikata, you have access to all specs, which is obviously supernatural perception and stuff like that. Fortitude, again, supernatural toughness. And oblivion, which is... <laughs> yeah, it, it's necromancy. Let's not be around the bush. It's like manipulating <laughs> dead energies and spiritual energies and stuff like that. So again, you guys get to pick one of those at level 2 and one of them at level 1. And as I say, at the end of this, you guys will be getting like a lump of like XP that you can drop into things like this as well. If you want to boost any of this up. I've gone for Fortitude 2 and All Specs 1. Makes sense. I've gone Protein 2 and Animalism 1. Nice. I like how we totally changed the game and I'm still basically playing the same hunter going around. Hey. Tame an animal. Well, he, get, get, he got turned into a vampire. He did get turned into a vampire. So. That's true. Yeah, there's, there's a nice sort of thematic link going on. Okay. So is everyone sorted for their disciplines? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing we are going to pick is your predator type. And this is at the top 
next to the um, the clan. It's just to the right of it. And basically what this is, is it's a single word that sums up how you normally hunt. Like, if you're on your own and you were like, I need some of that sweet, sweet blood. This is how you default to going and getting it. It's not something you have to stick to in the game. It's not like, I have to feed like this. It's just basically like, if there was a bit of downtime between sessions, and I was like, I'll roll a dice, see how you feed. Like, this would tend to be like your default method of feeding. So I'll go, I'll go through what they are. There's Alley Cat, where you basically stalk, overpower, and drink from whoever you can, when you can. There is the Bagger. You steal, buy, or otherwise procure cold blood, rather than hunt. There is the Blood Leech. You drink from other vampires, whether hunting, coercion, or by taking blood as payment. There is the Cleaver. You feed covertly from your, or someone else's, mortal family and friends who you've still got connections with there's the consensualist you never feed against a target if a target doesn't give you permission effectively there is the farmer you only feed from animals the unfortunate side effect of that is like the hunger's constantly gnawing at you a bit more because animal blood's not satisfying as that sweet sweet human vitae there is the osiris you're basically a big celebrity amongst mortals You've got a bit of a cult of personality going on and you use that to like get hold of your blood. There is the Sandman. You feed off sleeping victims. The Scene Queen. You're immersed in a certain subculture and you use that to get your blood. The Siren. You feed during intimate moments. And that's pretty much it. Now each of these, depending on which one you pick, will give you some minor alterations to your character sheet. Like they might give you like an additional speciality you might some of them give you like a, a dot of a discipline that might help you in your particular method of feeding if, you, if it's particularly violent you might start with like less humanity or you might gain contacts or whatever so right off the bat john um do we whoa <laughs> okay begins. someone's someone's going to town <laughs> Um, I thought, do I we, that was Dave um, going, how do you feed? I punch my victims and take their blood. I was going to say, Matt, can I get the extortionist out? The, um, yeah. <laughs> do we want to use the extra types from the cult of um, blood gods? Specifically related to... It's very on point for the Hekata. <laughs> There's two additional ones there uh, to just quickly go over this. There's the uh, extortionist, which is you like to make other people bleed for you. Like it's not you go and punch them in the mouth that uses like blood goes into bag or your kneecap goes into next town and uh, uh, you get your, your munchies on. And then the second one, which is what I had my eye on, uh, which, is the, <laughs> which is the grave robber, John. And this is the yeah, same, unfortunately this. the same thing that I did last time, but it's, it's just I good. From the cold blood of the dead. Yeah, I only eat dead blood. So, All so the mourners. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine yeah. with using those two. That's that's fine. Right. Obviously, I'm I'm assuming because you guys both sort of piped that you wanted to use them. You've got the details of the alterations you yeah. need to make to your characters. Absolutely. So that's fine. So. Yeah. Any idea how I take away humanity? Let me just have a quick look. Not that way. 
That's how I did it. That's how I tried it the yep. first time. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. Okay. So basically, what you do is you 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 click on the box twice, and it will turn red, and that effectively means you've like lost that. Um. Click on the. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And obviously, no, normally it sort of goes from left to right. So if you've gone down in humanity, just like start ticking them off from the right hand side. Ah, okay. Oh, so because we have a starting value that we haven't gotten to that point yeah, yet. Yeah, we've not gotten to um, it yet. So uh, I'm just having this thought now, fiddling with the graphical interface here. I guess we're supposed to fill in these, like for health. Um, not for health and willpower. No, it works differently. Yeah, yeah. So for humanity, I think what we're supposed to do with this sheet is click on the boxes, as many as you will have humanity. We'll find that out later. Um, click on as many boxes as that number until they're red. And then once shit starts happening, we like click on them until they're not red anymore. <laughs> right. Okay. So what I would suggest, Rob, at this point, if you just like note down or remember how many points down you are, and when we sort okay. of like work out what the humanity is later on, you'll know to deduct that. Sort of sort yeah. out. Okay. So, so have you had any thoughts as to which one are you going for then, Rob? Uh, I'm going for the alley cash. That was oh, nice. the theme I had going. You do get that free holes, speciality yeah. intimidation stick-ups or brawl grappling, though, which is quite nice. Yeah. And also you get a dot uh, of celerity or potence. So yeah, that was the question nice. I had next is where, where are they or they're, what they're, are they? They're, they're disciplines. So they're additional okay. discipline. You get a dot of one or the other of them. Um, celerity is basically supernatural speed, and potence okay. is supernatural strength. So you get one dot in one of those two. So you've got to decide: do you want to be fast or do you want to be a bit stronger? I want to be fast. I've gone for celerity. Okay. And also on the. I think it's on the features tab is where the the backgrounds go you get you get a criminal contact three dots which is like a background you'll be able to buy backgrounds to like give you like resources and havens and stuff like that later on but okay. you, you effectively get a criminal contact for free so this would be the point as well where once you've noted that down we would add your criminal contact onto the relationship map. Okay. So if you want to come up with a name for your um, criminal contact, again, as I say, feel free to just use the name generator. I'm going to be making an awful lot of use of that during the game. Because I've got to admit, my, my knowledge of Venetian names is like fairly minimal. Funny that. Yeah. Uh, John, yep. so I've picked uh, on page 177, I've gone for the Sandman. Okay, yep. Um, it says gain one dot of resources. Yep, so that is a background as well, as I was just okay. describing with the criminal contacts. And that represents basically how much money you've got, like how much cash you can get your hands on like dead easily. So, so to, to you, like any, any sort of bit of equipment that was like one dot... You could just get out of that. It's not anything you have to save up for. You've just got the readies lying around for that. So you put that, that in as a goes in, yeah, in features, the I think bit. it is, yeah. I just 
call it resources, put it on the background. Yeah, probably you've got one dot in it. And obviously, when you spend your your pool of points later on, you can like add to that if you want. Like if you want to be like rolling in dough, you could like bump that up. Otherwise, you've just got like a free cheeky bit of resources from the factory of Sandman. And obviously, you get either an additional dot of obvious gate or a dot of all specs, which is sort of supernatural senses. Yeah. No, I've got I've gone for further sneakiness. Fair play. And obviously you get the either medicine, anaesthetics, or stealth breaking. Nah, I've gone further breaking. Nice. Which would tie into it, obviously. Okay, lovely. So we've all got the predator types there. So flip back to my page. I've lost my page. There we go. Okay, so we've picked the predator type. So the next is advantages. So this is the backgrounds effectively. So you get to spend seven points on advantages and take two points of flaws. And this is in addition to any you gain from your predator type. So I'm going to see if I can find the page with advantages on. And we can sort of have a look through those. Obviously, if anyone finds it before me, shout up at 179. There we go. So, 179. So, met, we're talking about merits first. I say you get seven points to spend on them. It's on a, a dot per dot basis. So, two points spent on a merit is two dots in a merit. And then you get two points of flaws. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through, I'm just going to go through these quickly, shout out a name. If anyone wants to know more about any of these, just shout out and we'll look at them in a bit more detail. Okay, so we have merits, linguistics, knowing languages, looks, you know, you've got stunning looks. Now, bear on most of these as well, you can also take as flaws. So if I shout out any of these and you're like, I don't fancy it as a merit, but I might put my flaws in it, obviously shout up as well and we can look into that. There is, so we, although although these are said, described as merit, some of them just seem to be flaws, so I'll go through it anyway. Substance use, an addiction to some sort of substance. Archaic, that says only ancillary and older vampires, so I don't need to worry about that. Bonding, how you're affected by drinking the blood of other vampires. There is an effect in the game known as the blood bond, where the more you drink another vampire's blood, you start to feel this supernatural sort of sense of like basically loving them but it's like artificial but even if you know it's artificial you can't do anything about it and the way it works is if you if you drink from someone like once you might sort of think about them a bit more than you would do if you drink from someone twice you really start to sort of like feel for that vampire if you drink from them three times you're pretty much under the thumb of that vampire you know like you would like throw yourself in the way of a buzz for them However, some vampires are a little bit more resistant to this or a little bit more affected by this, and that's what the bonding background represents. There is feeding. There's several merits and flaws based under this, and these are everything from the flaws about only feeding on animal blood 
to only being able to feed on the blood of supernatural creatures there's merits such as bloodhound where you can like smell the resonance in a human's blood so you could like you could like smell some blood and you could be like oh this this person was scared when they ran through this alleyway and this like blood was spilt here or oh the, this this person was feeling like excited as they like ran and left this blood here to the three point merit iron gullet where you can basically feed from cold blood gone off blood rancid plasma and it's fine you have no issues with it then we have mythic merits and flaws which are sort of peculiarities and strange sort of supernatural quirks things like the the ridiculous flaw stake bait where it's two points but if you get staked you're not just paralyzed like most vampires you are of the stereotypical like i get a piece of wood through my heart i burst into flames and i'm dead there's folkloric banes so you know like oh, if someone puts like a wolf's bane around the door or whatever you can't go in that sort of thing uh folkloric blocks like things that legitimately repel you so if you took one for like crucifixes someone brandishing a cross at you could literally like force you away things like stigmata there's also merits like you know being able to eat food is a two-point merit most vampires if they eat food they'll just vomit it up along with a lot of blood for a short period of time however if you've got the eat food merit you can eat it you don't digest it and you will have to throw it up eventually but you basically you can keep it down until like you throw it up just before you go to sleep so which is obviously quite useful for blending in you could like go into a cocktail party and be like drinking and eating and looking perfectly normal and then you can like throw it up later there's thin-blooded merits and flaws which we'll ignore because none of you are thin-blooded and we then go on to backgrounds there's allies obviously people who help you out contacts people who can give you information there is fame and the reverse of that the flaw infamy which is you're either well known for something or you're hated for something dark secret you've got some sort of secret which would cause you a serious problem if it was revealed and there is influence which depending on the level of it you have like a serious amount of pull with one or other sort of aspects of a mortal society so for some of the examples it gives in here uh, your influence applies to the city as a whole at one dot less than it does within your group or region and that can be so that ranges from one dot well connected you're guaranteed like a respectful hearing within your sort of area of influence up to five like dominant where literally let's say you've got level five and you maybe maybe it's in the police like people in the police will literally be like what can we do today to like get this guy on side and like keep in his good books at that sort of high level of influence then we have an optional background which is haven a vampire which is where you stay during the day and where you live effectively a vampire with no dots in haven maybe has like a grave or an abandoned apartment with some like cardboard taped over the window stuff like that um there's various sort of sub merits that you can take for haven but if we want to get into that we can do so in a little bit there are law there are law sheets which are a a specific sort of a subcategory how would you describe law sheets johannes um so law sheets are 
a rather new innovation in, in the game. Um, and it's basically a collection of five distinct sort of qualities or abilities or both that you can pay uh, an amount of points for ranging from one through two, three, four, and five. Um, you don't need to progress in that order. You can just buy like the third one, like pay three points and get just that one. Um, and uh, they are uh, always to do with something in the sort of setting of the game. So it's not like I can run faster. It's, oh, I know this like important uh, figure or I'm descended from this like big, big time um, uh, old vampire. I'm of the lineage. And because I'm of the lineage, uh, people give me a little bit of a leeway because they're like, oh, no, like this, this guy is descended from so and so um, we need to be, you know, on his good side or whatever it is. But it's sort of like uh, things you can buy to tie your character to specific parts of the setting. That was a lot of words to explain that, but it's that's that's what it takes. Yeah. So, for instance, there's a, just as a sample, there's one of the, the law sheets called Theobel. And Theobel is one of like the more powerful members of the Brujar clan. He was once quite high up in the Camarilla, and then fairly recently something happened where he was basically like, "Get fucked, Camarilla! I'm not having any of your shiz." And he was like, "Come on, Brujar, we're like leaving. We're going to the Anox." And he was so well respected that most of his clan went with him. Now, with this background, you're sort of directly related via bloodline to Theobal, so that's things like um, one dot. You've got a sort of rebel cell of mortals because Theobel was all down with like the anarchists in the mortal society up to like level five, where you've got a, a small contingent of like fellow Brujar who sort of left the Camarilla with you and they look to you for guidance. So there's a there's various different law sheets. If anyone's interested in law sheets, we can obviously look at those in more detail. Like I said they tend to be like specific bloodlines uh, stuff like that membership in specifically like kindred organizations for instance there's a there's one that johannes took in the previous game which was he used to be a member of the second inquisition like the vampire hunters before he got turned into a vampire so he knew sort of like some of their operating procedures and stuff like that and he could avoid them a bit more easily stuff like that there's as well as law sheets there is mask which is sort of like how how well you you're sort of like known in mortal society like sort of how you're how covered you are i suppose could be by default a vampire has no need of a mask because if you're recently embraced you can still pass as a human but if you've got like a high level of mask it basically means you've got like a fake id you've got like a birth certificate you've got like a fully constructed like fake mortal identity so like if someone's like, show me your papers, you can just be like, Psh, there's my ID card, there's my driving license, there's my social security, there's my everything. At sort of high levels. Or you can take flaws for that, where like there's the, the level two floor known blank body, where basically several of the sort of huntery organizations have like flagged you as a potential vampire or terrorist, because there's like no paper trail for you. So that's like drawn their interest down to the one point floor known corpse where like everyone in the area knows you died. 
So if you suddenly pop up and start going about as yourself, you're going to draw attention because it might maybe I don't know maybe you maybe you died in a particularly horrible sort of accident and it was all on the news and in the papers with like your picture and like your grieving family and whatever. Then if you suddenly start popping up and being like, oh hey, I'm just I'm doing this and I'm doing that, people oh that guy that died in that fire like like three weeks ago. So that can be a a bit of a social problem, shall we say. There is, and again, it's there, the habit of new vampire using weird words. Mawla, which is M-A-W-L-A. And this represents one or a group of kindred, so vampires, who look out for you, offering guidance, information and aid once in a while. They might act as a mentor to you, so it could be your sire if you want, it could be other vampires. They might trade information to you. You might have a sort of mutually respectful relationship and basically the, the higher level you've got is like the more stuff you can get out of them and the more often you can call on them uh, obviously the reverse of that is adversary so a vampire or a group of vampires will make your life difficult and that basically ranges from one dot which is like a neonate so a vampire who's of the same age as you guys uh, up to Level four, which is a, sorry, level three is an elder, so a very old vampire. Four is like a primogen or an anarch revolutionary council member, so someone high up in that sect. And five is like either a, a Camarilla prince or an anarch baron, so they're like the tip top people in that sect. We then have resources, which, as we discussed previously, is how much dollar you've got. If you take a one dot floor of resources, you're destitute. You've got no money, no home. Uh, one dot of resources means you've got some money, but you live paycheck to paycheck. You've got an apartment, a car, and maybe some like basic like camping equipment. Up to three dots is rich. You've got a nice condo, house, luxury items, high end equipment, and you've you've got enough that you you could provide for several people. Up to like level five, which is ultra rich. You've got like a number of different mansions and basically anything you want to buy, you're just like, yes, I will take two of those jet planes, please. Is that sort of level. And then there is retainers. You have one or more loyal and steadfast servants or assistants. They may be people you've influenced with like mental powers or they could be ghouls. And what ghouls are is they are mortals that you regularly feed your vampiric blood to and that makes them super loyal to you in the same way as a vampire drinking another vampire's blood becomes super loyal to them in a sort of Renfield-esque sort of style it also gives them some very minor sort of like reflections of your ability so most ghouls tend to be a little bit stronger a little bit faster and a little bit tougher than your average mortal no winner a vampire but just a little bit stronger than your average bear and they, after a short while, because of drinking this blood, they will be incredibly loyal, almost to a creepy extent, to the vampire who's feeding them. Because while they've got your blood in their system, they also don't age. However, let's say your ghoul's 100 years old, and you cut off that blood supply. Once that blood is like processed out of their system, the age will start catching up with them very rapidly. So beyond a certain point, they're pretty much entirely reliant on their vampiric domitors to like keep them alive 
So it's it's a very unhealthy relationship, but if you're not bothered about that as a vampire, they do make for very useful servants, and obviously they can go out in the day, they can do stuff that you can't, and they've got a bit of that like vampiric strength and flavour to them. You can also have gold animals, which are in a similar vein, you know, they're, they're probably a bit faster, a bit stronger and a bit tougher than your average animal, and they will be very loyal to you. Uh, in terms of retainers, you can take if you take you take it up to three dots. One is an underwhelming retainer, a child, criminal, low life. Uh, it says a horror nerd follows you around and does your bidding without a blood bond. They count as a weak mortal in terms of their stats. Two dots. You have a ghoul, a family servant, a human lover, or a dominated thrall. They get a bit of a backstory, and they tend to be an average mortal. Or a ghoul with no particular like, extra like, flavour on them. If you take it at three dots, you get a retainer competent enough to act independently and just make small problems go away without you having to like deal with it directly. They're likely a ghoul with traits equivalent to a gifted mortal on top of any supernatural abilities. So they have a little bit more of that sort of vampire funk rubbed on top of it. You can also take retainers as a floor for one point, which is stalkers, where basically some part of your personality maybe you've got a magnetic personality or something like that you have a tendency to attract people who become a tad too smitten with you for their own good you know you get the sort of like crazy like fans like following you around and stuff like that the next one we have is status which represents your reputation and standing within a specified local community of kindred so, like, you'd have to take, like, status Camarilla, separate to, like, status Anarch, stuff like that. Uh, one dot, that's one to five dots. One means you're known. You've been properly introduced to that sect. You, you're welcome. You're seen as a bit of an up-and-comer. Three is influential. This will be the level an average elder would have. You've got authority and influence over certain people within that sect. Five is a luminary. You basically sit at the head table of that faction. Like, when... When the Camarilla Prince like wants to consult people to see what he should do, you're there at that table like giving advice. This can also be taken as a flaw, either at two points, which is shunned, where whatever sect you pick for that completely hates your guts. You've maybe crossed the leader, you've betrayed them or you've fought them in the past. Members of that group will actually work against you. Or there's one point which is notorious. You're not really good with them. You sort of weaseled out on a few deals or you've done some sort of minor wrong to them in the past. You can try and stay out of their way and they won't actively hunt you. But if you do have to deal with them, you'll take like pen two dice penalty to social roles because they sort of know of you. They don't actively hunt you, but they're not keen on dealing with you either. And I think that's pretty much it. Unless anyone wants to go into law sheets. So as far as law sheets go, I've got the, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm probably going for the Cappadocian one. So. Yeah. But I, I've got it here, so. I was going to say, yeah, would you mind uh, giving people a bit of a lowdown on what that means for for the game in terms right. of you taking that lower sheet so for 
this purpose, you need to be Hekata to take this. It's called the Harbingers of Asher. And there's a whole lot of history behind all that that uh, we're not going to delve into. Um, but this is the, um, the sort of extra lore sheet if you want to flavor your Hekata character as one of the uh, more than likely one of the sort of modern progeny of the OGs. To interrupt, sorry, just mm. we lost Rob and it's going to be missed if you go through this. Mm. Rob's not here. Mm. I wonder what so that boom Rebooted yeah, apparently. He just, yeah, he just sent a message, so I didn't want you to go through it all and then. I think I've done mine. It's probably me and Rob that probably need that information yeah. the most. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Good, good catch. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I did hear the uh, the noise, but to be honest, like, my phone's been going off. Almost, I don't know what it is. My phone's been going off almost constantly during this. So, like, every five minutes, my phone... I mean, you guys probably can't hear it, but every five minutes, my phone's like... Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I'm trying to decide what floors rather than the... <laughs> I've taken Haunted Haven. That is a spectacular one. We had we had a good time with that. Yeah, I, I, I have to, I have used that floor and very much enjoyed it. <laughs> that was a, that was a good time. What I, I know this is going to be a, a Hecata one. What page is it on? It's not. It's in the main floor. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah one eight eight on the core rules. I felt certain that'd be a, a Hecata one. Yeah, they're just know. handing out the ghosts these days. Like That's handy. it, mate. Bring yeah, the ghosts. Bottom right of the page. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> a haunted haven could hold a dimensional portal. <laughs> or a cursed meteorite. The storyteller defines any other effect of the haunting, imposing a one-die penalty to affected pools in the haven per dot of haunted, taken as a flaw. <clears throat> right, so I, I'm gonna obviously I, I get to have final refusal on this, but I'm gonna throw it open to you, Dave, because you've taken the floor. Would you like a ghost or would you like something weird? Let's have something weird, John. Because it, it's the ghost, considering the family, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I was mainly asking because obviously if it's a ghost, I'd say like bang it down on the um, the relationship diagram, but I'll. Uh, I'll just make a little note here. That yeah, no, if it's a ghost, it's not really much of an issue for the family. So. That's it, that's true. So, so I'll, I've got a haunted haven. I'll just send Bob around to you evict say it. You, or you took one dog in it, yeah? Yes, mate. Yeah. I remember what page was that again, sorry? 188. I'm just putting it in my notes so I can come up with something appropriately weird. <laughs> I, um... When we last played with John, um, I had a Lazomber character with that thing, and um, of course, no easy recourse to that. Lazomber in London, <laughs> what am I going to do about a ghost? And uh, I also had the—I forget what it's called—but I think there's one Haven floor, which is basically like, yeah, this is a murder basement. Like this, this place <laughs> oh, is a creepy. murder basement. Yeah, I'm reading so it I, right now. Yeah, you hate yeah, yeah, like uh, Dan of a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. So I picked, I I picked the haunted and that one, and it was it was a literal cellar with like some cans of bleach and uh, <laughs> zip ties on the floor. Yeah, good times. 
I had to have a conversation with a with a cop, I think, in oh in yeah. daytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was rough. <laughs> I almost didn't make it. Yeah. <clears throat> you had the uh, you had the cop turn up and it was daytime, so you were like, oh, I'm, I'm having to make rolls to like stay awake whilst also trying to like stop the cop from coming into this blatant murder basement that I live in. Um, okay, so Rob is here. Rob, do you hear us? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. 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 Okay. Right, so we were just about to, Johannes was just about to give us a a bit of a lowdown on the the law sheet that he's taking from for his character to give you some idea about how law sheets work in the game. So if you want to go over that, Johannes. Yeah, so again, called Harbingers of Asher. Uh, A lot of lore implications to that but what we need to know is uh, this probably is for depicting like the modern descendants of the ogs who popped up um and uh, are now about um so there's five different things you can buy on every sheet and they cost one two three four five um you don't need to take them in sequence you can and you have to buy them piecemeal as well so if you wanted to buy everything you would need to buy everything separately you don't get like additive uh benefit from stuff uh so uh so first one costs a single point is called the ashen mask these are masks because harbingers used to wear masks um so what that means is and this is worded very esoterically because of that's what the harbingers are about that <laughs> they're kind of weird um you don a mask uh plain mask of ash wood for while you respect the traditions of the Harbingers, you care more about studying death than status, glory, or revenge. If a touchstone, so a mortal that my character is attached to somehow, um, dies or dies after you purchase this thing, um, the study of their corpse allows you to transfer the conviction that they... This goes very, very deep. So it allows me to transfer my sort of mortal attachments the things that bind me to what humanity is to this character anyway it allows me to transfer those away um sort of quote quote unquote safely uh what that amounts to is it's less traumatic for the character if the people dear to the character die because if they go in and they study the corpse like if if someone that my character loves as a touchstone dies it's less traumatic if they get to inspect the corpse. Yeah, because you... <laughs> the way the way it works with um with normal vampires is for each level dot of humanity you have, you have what's called a touchstone, which is a person who represents something about the the person you were before, and it helps like tether you to your humanity and helps you preserve it. Now, if one of those people dies, or like changes, or like something horrible happens to them, it can be very traumatic for the vampire. And it can essentially cause you to like lose your humanity and stop sliding more towards being a monster. Whereas if Johannes bought this particular ability, because he's so used to like death being part of like the natural cycle, he can sort of take comfort from that and go like, yeah, this person's died, but that that's how it's supposed to be. And he can sort of slide that onto another person and take them as his touchstone. So it's like he says, it's less traumatic for his character. 
Yep. So that went very deep for a one dot thing. Uh, the second one costing two dots is much more simple when it comes to the mechanics. Uh, you don the rose gold mask because you strive to strive to balance your existence with the living and the dead. Gold has connections to both wealth and alchemy with golden grave goods sitting in the perfect inter intersection between the two. As such, uh, you have the capacity to hide your actions and the actions of your coterie as you explore death. Are you picking up a theme yet? But death, <laughs> um, you have the equivalent of, and this is where it gets good, four dots of influence when attempting to cover up a death. So if someone flipped out, accidentally murdered someone, if you had the gold mask, um, you would be quite good at sweeping that under the rug. <laughs> yeah, so let's say you guys all had like a communal haven, a building you all lived in, and uh, Johannes, sorry, uh, like Darren's character turned up and he was like, oh my God, I flipped out. And I'm like, I've killed this person. Like, what am I going to do? Johannes' character, if you have this ability, could effectively be like, don't worry about that, I'll take care of that, buddy. Yep. And, it, and, it, um, and it would just be dealt with. Yeah, with four dots, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's sorted. Um, very quickly, uh, to give a little bit more, more meat to this, the next one costing three is the white mask. You've done a bone white mask with not a speck of dirt on it because it is the mask of a respected harbinger who was lost in one of the historic purges. You speak for the elders of your bloodline and most harbingers and even other Hekata listen to you. You get three dice to any social roll against another Harbinger uh, and two dice to any social roll against another Hekata. So, you know, you you have this thing that marks you out as, oh, yeah, that guy is connected to, you know, important people. We need to listen to him. Uh, next one. This is kind of like this is one of my favorite things about the, um, the Death Clan stuff historically as well. And I'm really glad that they brought this in. The obsidian mask. It was called and worked differently, but it's the same thing. You done a polished black mask because you are more than just a vampire. You are truly half dead. You are a wraith that has inhabited a vampire body. You may learn oblivion ceremonies without a teacher and with half the training time, if you have any, um, due to your experience with the underworld, but are vulnerable to effects which target ghosts, such as some oblivion ceremonies. You suffer a two-die penalty to resist these effects, but gain two-die bonus when resisting effects that control your physical shells, such as dominate. So you are a vampire, but the spirit inside it already died once. Someone put you back into a body. You, 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 you've kind of died twice now. Uh, and uh, you are sort of half gone, but still around. You're, you're tethered to a vampire corpse. And that makes you really weird. <laughs> uh, historically, these guys in vampire lore, they were kind of like, oh, oh no. Oh, did, really? Like, sh should we kill him on the spot? Because we, we don't understand this stuff. That's strange. Um, last one, cost five dots. Um, you done the mask engraved in the image of one of the clan founders. Um, for you know the true secret of Harbingers. I was kind of thinking about picking up this. Their crusade, these guys were homicidal. They, they were murdering basically the rest of the clan of the dead. Um, their crusade was never solely about destroying the Giovanni, but annihilating all those who serve the clan of death. For the final stage of necromancy is for all who practice it to die and become the masters of death. You incur no stains, no 
psychological damage or strain um, for any action taken in the pursuit of killing another Hekata kindred or any other character who serves the Hekata. So you can murder your own people with impunity, just because that's what these guys wanted to do all along. So that's the thing that I was looking at. So they kind of go all over the place, these these things. Right. Do you guys want me to go through some, right, in the same way as we sort of did with the merits, go through some of the, the law sheets that are in the main book, or are you happy just to stick to the main merits? Either way is fine. You don't need law sheets to to make your character Yeah, I've, I've just gone for main merits and flaws, to be fair. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Okay, so I, I've taken Underworld influence, so I'm happy. Yeah, no problems. Okay, so I'm happy to. I've picked up my own, yeah. Yeah, so as I said, you've got seven points of advantages and two points of flaws. Now, I'm just going to ask, obviously, I don't know precisely what you guys have taken. Have any of your merits or flaws, do they suggest NPCs that we should add on to the, the relationship diagram? Uh, I have a retainer, so that's definitely one. Okay, so add your retainer on there and um, stick an arrow in for them. And then we basically need to get you for your retainer and your criminal to sort of write the relationship next to the arrow again. Okay. anyone else have any NPCs suggested by their, their backgrounds or anything like that? I'm just adding into the sheet now, mate. Okay. Yeah, my, my guy's pretty boring when it comes to this stuff. I've gone for sort of resources and contacts and uh, eating food and blending in and... Um, it just seemed to fine. fit with, it just seemed to fit with his sort of backstory and stuff. And then I thought he's probably more likely because of all the research he's done over the years and that to be quite strongly, strong believer of all the folkloric stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. So he's actually going to have those as flaws, you know, because if he, he believes them, it's, it's almost sort of coming true. Yeah. You know, he's affected more by the ultraviolet and the holy symbols and stuff. Yep, so if you take about like, your folkloric banes and whatever, just like put in brackets next to it, like what the bane is. Because obviously, if you're taking like a folkloric ban, it's not everything for that. It's just like one thing. And you pick which one. Okay. Yeah. So yep. you could take them multiple times. Like, you could take two bans or whatever. Yeah, I'll take two. Yeah. Uh, I'll take one of each. One bane. And obviously, folkloric bans are like stuff that stops you, like entering a place or whatever and the um the other one sort of repulse you mm -hmm. sorry john seven and two you said yeah 
That's correct, yeah. So did you go for the obsidian mask at the end, Johanna? So Yeah, I'm kinda of, I'm kinda of torn between because I'm I'm probably going to pick something off of there anyway, because that's kind of the thematic thing. I just went back to look at like what else could I could I possibly want to invest in? Because oh, that is like getting getting into the lore sheets is pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I, so I'm I'm looking for a place where I could spend sort of my the rest of my allowance and uh, trying to gauge like how deep I want to go into the mask business. Mm. I'll say you know in your game where when I played a set art, I was all about them lore sheets. Yeah. Yeah, you had the. <laughs> this is this is probably only meaningful to Dave, but uh, we had a. Uh, Sacred setite relic, a a serpent skin <laughs> I, I, thing. I, I, bought, I bought it at level five, so it's like literally you have a relic that comes from like the ancient vampire set. Yeah, and and that was like a sacred snake skin, which, given that our our character here was somewhat of a of a new wave sort of heretic in in the the setite faith, he turned the sacred thousands of years old snakeskin relic into a pair of snakeskin boots <laughs> and that didn't go over well with the orthodoxy <laughs> yeah the, the, the fucking traditional satires fucking hated me because i was like well you were always saying we're like supposed to be like walking in like set shoes and like following this example i'm literally walking in his shoes blasphemy <laughs> What happened to the Setites in the Inquisition? Are they been wiped out now? They, they, so, they've basically rebranded themselves. Okay. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of interesting stuff. They were making a... Okay, uh, long story short, they were making a bid. Like, hey, Camarilla, how about we 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 could join up, you know? All that. Um, didn't go well, and um, Camarilla ended up rebuffing them. They were like, well, shit. Um they had uh, it's, it's there's a couple of interpretations of how to look at it but basically there's two sort of main branches of what the set heights are now and one of them is the sort of public facing like more uh, acknowledged right now um branch of the ministry which is they sort of went like well we're the clan of faith um so let's let's go with that like let's let's be like spiritual advisors like uh, we can do the drug thing on the side, but um, we can we can do the the religion a little bit more because like that's people like that sort of thing, and uh, they sort of rebranded as John was saying away from like, have you heard of the dark god set? <laughs> Just move away from that a little bit and sort of take a more broad like uh, take a lot more religious stuff on board and work that on people, and then at the same time. You still have the like super orthodoxy, awful blood temples in <laughs> in the uh, the old country. 
Yes, in um, Johannes's game, my character was like sort of this was like American revival style preacher, like hence like the snakeskin like cowboy boots. Because I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I'm I'm basically setting up a big cult and like it in a sort of um, oh, what's the, what's it called? The one that um, lots of celebrities belong to. In modern day, I can't remember what it is. Why am I drawing a blank now? <laughs> yeah, but where, where it's it's like, it's like a religion that load of like film stars follow, and they, they uh, but, but, Scientology. Scientology. Yeah, Scientology. Yeah, I was basically setting up something like that with like my fame, and my influence to get loads of like famous people into it, so we could then like publicize it and draw more people into it and start this whole like big cult thing going. But yeah, the um, the ministry are with the Anarchs uh, at this point in the timeline, so. They were like, can we join the Camarilla? That didn't work out, so they, they picked the other one because no, <laughs> they're, they're not going to join the... <laughs> as a clan fully devoted to <laughs> their dark, ancient vampire god, they're not going to join the Sipa. <laughs> right, okay, so how we're looking, people? Yes, mate, I've done merits flaws. Yeah. As of one else coming out with him. I can't, I can't hear you, Rob, if you're talking to me. Sorry, I finished as well. Okay. How you get on, Darren? Uh, I've got one more uh, positive point to spend. Yeah, no rush, mate. But I can do it while you carry on. This. Okay. Uh, no problems. So, the next thing to do is that you get to select one to three convictions. I can't remember exactly where they are on the character sheet, so I'm just going to have a quick look. So, let's see, expect it's probably in. Uh, it's in descriptions. Descriptions. Touchdowns yeah. and convictions, yeah. That's the one. Okay, so, convictions. You begin with one to three of them. So it's up to you whether you want to take one, two, or three of them. And these are human values that you attempt to uphold even after you've become a vampire. And basically what these mean are, if you take an action that would normally cause you to like lose humanity or like a bit of a sort of crisis of conscience, if you're doing it in support of one of your convictions, so let's say, for instance, oh, uh, you would lose humanity for like violently beating someone up. However, you've got a conviction to... like protect the innocent and that person was like attempting to mug someone you would get bonuses to like avoid losing humanity because you'd be like yeah okay, I did beat someone up which is a bad thing but I said I was going to protect the innocent they were trying to like violently mug someone so the specifics of these convictions are up to the players they might reflect a religious code a personal ethical core or just things you do or don't do and some examples are don't kill people kill only the unworthy or kill people only in fair combat or in defense uh, never expose the innocent to violence love thy neighbor disobedience is dishonor protect the innocent courage is the highest virtue always keep your sworn word the truth is sacred don't tell a lie um, you will fight for your country None may control me. The guilty must be punished. 
reject wealth for it corrupts um, stand up for the disenfranchised so like I say it's down to you guys to determine precisely what you want as your convictions you have to pick at least one but you can take up to three and it's up to you how many you take And we'll point out that, you know, we talked about touchstones earlier, these people that help anchor you to your humanity. You have to create an equal number of touchstones equal to the number of convictions you have. So each conviction you have will come with an NPC that represents that conviction. So let's say you've taken or protect the innocent. Maybe it's your, your daughter from when you were alive or your son from when you were alive. And you're like, oh, you know, I want to protect them from the evils of the world. But also the fact that they're out there sort of living their life makes it easier for you to deal with emotionally and sort of psychologically with what you've now become. Because you're like, yeah, okay, I'm this horrible like, creature of the night, but I'm still trying to protect my family and they're still like, living their lives, so it gives you some comfort. So we need three of these, John. You can take one, two, or three of them. It's up to you. Oh. Like, like I say, obviously, remember, like for each of these, you will have an NPC touchstone associated with it. And as uh, as Rob Riley said, there is on the description tab of the character sheet there is a space for touchstones and convictions because they're sort yeah. of related. You can put them both in there. And obviously, we will also put them on the relationship diagram as well. And bear in mind, your touchstones don't have to be people you necessarily like. It's just someone you who embodies that aspect of humanity. And as we said earlier, you know, if like something horrible or lethal was to happen to one of those touchstones it can potentially cause you some psychological and humanity level difficulties okay so I'll have a bit of a think about that guys like I say you can take either one two or three convictions I would suggest if you when you're putting your touchstones on the relationship diagram 
I would suggest just sort of like noting in brackets after their name that they're a touchstone because that or even just put like a T, a capital T in brackets after their name because the fact that they are a touchstone means they're very important to your character. So I'm definitely going to have to like write all of these names down on an index card. <laughs> There's no way I'm remembering all of these. Right, I've taken one. Okay, so what did you take as your uh, your conviction? To always keep your sworn word. Okay. And that's due to the family matriarch, Christina Della Pena, who's nice. touchstone. I'm not envisioning some version of John Wick's like, mobster. Yeah. Surely, if you were going for like the John Wick, you'd have taken like your dog as a touchstone. <laughs> you'd be fucked within five minutes, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that that is a that is a plot hook and inciting incident that I can get behind. Like. <laughs> shot my dog i'm gonna go kill everybody okay <laughs> yeah yeah literally everyone's gonna die now yeah <laughs> some bloke trying to put mail through the letterbox <laughs> i'm just imagining seeing the, like, the, the mail guy like lifting like the uh the letter flap up and just seeing like a gun come out through the letterbox <laughs> <laughs> So, John, what I ended up doing is um, I, I put in five points. I bought two things off the sheet, yeah. uh, the two point and the three point one. 
And if you pull off my sheet and and the, uh, I I just combined it to one thing in the background of of the sheet. So all the deets are on there. What have you... That's the white gold mask, isn't it? Yeah, white gold mask, yeah. Yeah, the gold mask. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the ability to the gold mask, the ability to just make, like, death-related stuff go away is amazing, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yep. The white mask. Yeah, so res respected by the members of their quarter and all. Yeah. And my idea there was, because that is about, like, it's not the founders, but it was someone important who got murdered somewhere along the way. Um, I was thinking that the character Aurelio, when he has the mask stuff going, because that's not going to be like, oh, I'm going to pop to the store for some cigarettes. Better put on my death vampire mask. <laughs> um, I, I was thinking his mask is a mask of his sire who is thought to have died in one of the purges and is regarded as like, oh yeah, you you like that person was like, oh, very important. We all like that person, but that person died. Uh, and she didn't die and is instead living with a, with a false identity here. Uh, hence, the, hence the multiple names on the yeah, relationship. Yeah. yeah, that's grand. Yeah. I'd suggest maybe make a note of that on your, like your background on your character sheet somewhere. Yeah. Yep, I will do. There's like a, there's a generic notes section in the other tab. Oh, oh literally the other tab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so how's everyone coming along with that bit? I'm done anyway. Okay. How's everyone else getting them? Yes, I'm getting there. Just well, reading through the clan babe, to be honest. I'm sure you'll be pleased to know there's only a couple more steps. Okay, so the next thing is your starting humanity, which, unless you've got any modifiers from earlier stuff, is seven. So the, the way we do that is you, you click on each box twice until it goes red under humanity, and you basically fill up the number of levels of humanity you have. 
which is, I believe, seven for everyone apart from Rob, who has six, I believe. Yeah, and to give context to this, because um, it's kind of important, uh, you can go look at the thing in the book, um, 236, at your own pace, but a uh, quick reference. Um, humanity seven and most human beings have humanity scores of seven or so vampires at least this level of humanity can usually manage to pass for mortals um typically subscribe to normal social mores sure sin is wrong but dodging taxes and speed limits are not sins um you feel connected to other being other things even even human beings um but you know selfishness is is just par for the course really as people <laughs> accept that sort of thing um humanity six for rob's uh edification hey people die stuff breaks uh you have little difficulty with the fact that you need blood to survive and that what you do uh and that you do what needs to be done to get it you might not uh, go out of your way to wreck things or kill people but you don't cry bloody tears over it either not automatically horrid uh, kindred at this stage of humanity don't win any prizes for congeniality either so you're just sort of a little bit further gone towards the uh i don't know like pe people get hurt sometimes <laughs> and just to give a bit of context would you mind reading was out the description for the humanity one which I've humanity seen, like, one which you can go and technically still be functionable yeah yeah. The, yeah there is zero but then you know we're we're talking in barks um but humanity one only nominally sentient you teeter on the edge of oblivion little matters at all to you even your own desires outside sustenance and rest you might do anything at all or nothing only a few tattered shreds of ego stand between you and complete devolution you need no speech no art nothing but gibbers and splatters of dried gore <laughs> so it's a bad time yeah, and they, uh, a kindred who, obviously, if you fall to humanity zero, that's like NPC territory. Um, technically, kindred on humanity zero are known as whites, and they're literally just beasts who they, they, they rise instinctively in the evening, they instinctively try and hide from daylight and sleep during the day, and they feed. That is That is all. They have no humanity left to them. And it's, it's regarded by vampires as like literally the most horrendous fate that can befall a person because it's like everything that you were is not there anymore. The lights are on, but no one is home. But you're still around. Okay. So we've all got our humanity set. Okay, you guys are all playing Neonates. So if you go to the tab called Blood, you all have a blood potency of 1. And you will be of the 12th or 13th generation, which, as I say, means basically you're either 12 or 13 generations removed from the mythical founder of Vampires Cain. You can jot that down in your notes if you wish whether you're of 12th or 13th generation doesn't have that much effect because you have the same blood potency if you don't want to write it down again it's not vitally important yeah there's a spot for that in the description tab by the way I just yeah. discovered 
Okay, so the only thing that's really left is the extra XP that you guys get to spend on top of what you've already got. So you get 15 experience points to spend and the, the costs of things and experience points are listed on page 137. I'll very quickly go through them. If you want to increase an attribute, it's whatever the new level you're buying it to is times five. If you want to increase a skill, it's the level you're buying to times three. If you want a new speciality, it's a flat three experience points. A clan discipline, so one of the three disciplines that your clan is linked with, costs the level you're buying to times five. Any other discipline that's outside that is the level you're buying to times seven. If you're buying some sort of weird like blood sorcery ritual, which is probably only like Johannes, that's the, the ritual level times three. If you want to buy an advantage, it's three XP per dot. If you want to buy your blood potency up, that is the new level you're buying to times 10. So that's not going to be happening because buying level two would take 20. What skills? Level times three? Yeah, new level times three. So obviously if you want to buy a skill up to level two, it costs you six. Um, John, there was talk about powers. Are they a thing that we buy with XP or are they a... Um, no, you will, you will get some of those just because you've got dots in the disciplines which we will okay. we will go through in a minute and not we'll pick out your specific powers but i just okay. want to get all the basics so i don't need to worry about that okay no i mean uh... if you if you want to get more powers you you would buy more dots in whatever discipline you wanted it so the, the way it okay. basically works is when you let's say you go um you've got protein so you go oh i've got level one protein so when i get that level one dot in protein i can pick a level one power when you get that second dot in protein, you can then pick either a level two or another level one power. If you bought a third dot, you could pick a level three power, a level two power, or a level one power. For that specific purchase. Okay, makes sense. What's a discipline again, John? Uh, an in-clan one. Yeah. It's the new level times five.
Sorry, John. Yep. Um, if I'm taking a new discipline. Yep. Um, so I have no points in at the moment. Can I spend my 15 to go straight to level three? Or is there an expectation that I would have to spend five to get to level one and then 10 to get to level two? Yeah, you have to spend five, then 10, okay. then 15. Awesome. Thank you. There is. How's everyone getting on? I've just got four points left. 15, was it? Yes, that's correct, yeah. Wonderful. John, yep. if I was looking at um, extra languages, yep. what would be appropriate in this? I mean, are we sort of speaking Italian in this? I know we're not going to, but I mean, in theory. <laughs> you're, you're right, you are correct, we are not going to. Yeah. But uh, no, you you Italian would be the, the sort of standard language. If you're looking at taking additional ones, there is a merit on page one seven nine called linguistics. Oh yeah. yeah, that's what I'm looking at. But I'm just wondering, you know, what is the common languages of the it, sea? It's Italian. Yeah, so, I have taken English as a language. Yeah. So we're not we're not deemed to have English. So I'd have to take English as a secondary. Or a linguistics yeah. sort of dot one, yeah. And then there's obviously is each, there a lot of each dot you have in linguistics allows you to like fluently speak, write, and read one additional mm. language. And is there like a, well, a ancient languages and shit like that, or is that not a thing for vampires? And yeah, I'd I'd say that's fine. If you want to take, a, I mean, it does give an example here of. Uh, uh, an older vampire having Aramaic as a linguistic language, so yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, did they write in text back at the original text and stuff like that? Is there a sort of language related to the the law and um, for research purposes? I, I would say, given the given how sort of religious Venice is, you're probably looking at Latin stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go for English and Latin, then there's two options. Okay, cool. I've done that, John. I've got one point left. Okay. Right. So, the only thing really to do now, once you've spent your XP, is if you look on the description tab, there is a space for ambition and a space for desire. Now your ambition is basically like a long-term goal for your character. So someone might be like, oh, my ambition is to get to humanity 10. Or it might be, my ambition is to liberate Chicago from the Camarilla. It's something you can feasibly do in the game, but it's more of a long-term goal. You know, something you strive towards. And the way this 
the way this interacts in terms of the game is at the end of any session where you've actively worked towards your ambition so you don't necessarily have to have achieved it you have to have like worked towards achieving it you can recover one point of aggravated willpower damage so you can you can basically get a point of willpower back now the desire is a very similar thing but this is a more sort of short-term goal so each session you might change your desire whereas your ambition will tend to like remain constant so it could be like oh desire i want to deal with that punk ass anarch bruja who's been causing us trouble sorry um rob um ugo yeah. was yours right ugo the... yeah yeah do you have thoughts as far as your um priest touchstone like what that is all about because i was looking at a priest as well I, I wonder if we might cause a lot of trouble and have the same time across the streams. <laughs> the streams. Um, I guess beyond the um, so the, the the thing I have is the guilty must be punished, mm -hmm. and I kind of felt like priests kind of fed into that kind of concept of, um, in some ways I was thinking about the the knight in um, the Dresden Files. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe not quite as knightly, but, you know, much more, you know, well-versed well in the the reality of the, the world and what, what exists in it and, and kind of like um, maybe not a, a vanquisher of evil because obviously he wouldn't be a touchstone if he was but um but someone who was aware of that and who um you know kind of i guess looked out for the the unfortunates who kind of got caught up in that world kind of that some something like that that was as much mm -hmm. thought as i've given it now mm -hmm. yeah um, i don't know if this has any effect on what you're thinking but the and you may all probably be aware of this the the main religion in venice is roman catholicism And, it, and it's quite a religious city. There's, there's like churches pretty much everywhere. So I think that sounds like quite appropriate. What you were just saying, Rob. It probably does make sense that only have one priest npc though rather than mm -hmm. yeah. yeah rather than the god and so because yeah. uh, what i'm picking up uh, as far as like my thoughts was um what i'm picking up from what you were saying there is that he's sort of like he has some idea about like the bad stuff in life <laughs> and by extension uh you know well, especially because you and maybe also my character as well are hovering over this person. Maybe he has some, you know, idea about the things that he absolutely should not have any ideas about. <laughs> and um, I think that might be cool because the conviction that I'm tying him to is 
never act against Catholics. Okay. <laughs> Which is to say, like, if he spots you or me and goes apeshit, my conviction would be like, yeah, shit needs to play out. Okay. Yeah. Which might be interesting. So, yeah. Uh, unless, because it's your first, so. No, sorry, no, I'm not precious about it at all. Um, mm. Right. Like I say, I just felt that that religious one tied into my conviction, but yeah. Yep. yep. Well, because um, uh, I've realized as I'm making the character that my character is also like the, the sort of persona that is presented to mortal society is basically a uh, a, a priest slash uh, sort of uh, mortician doctor type figure, uh, basically like a funeral home priest type uh, individual. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess the good priest, Mr. Carter, is going to have another priest friend now. Yep, so if you just want to add an arrow pointing from yep. yourself to, to Guilo Julio. Carter. What are we meant to be doing at this stage? Because I've completely lost track of where we are. Uh, okay, at this stage, all my be... advancements, it was the last bit I missed out on. So, if you've done your advancements, the, yeah, yeah. the last stage was spending the additional XP. Yeah, I've done that. All right, you've done that. But there, when so there one bit after that, the, the next thing was setting your ambition and your desire. Oh, that's so it. Ambition. the ambition is like your long term goal, it allows you to recover like willpower when you work towards it. Whereas your desire is like a short term goal and it might change every session. Right. <laughs> And this is just there's no examples or anything it's just whatever yeah then, no, there are some examples in here oh. uh, so it says an ambition should not be something vague like achieve world peace but it should focus on something specific like i want to bring true death to insert name of elder vampire or i want to end the conflict in this area or even something like i want to reach the pinnacle of humanity so get to humanity 10 uh, they're, they're sort of long-term desires whereas the sorry long-term uh, ambitions whereas the short-term desires the examples it gives uh, so these are very short term so by by the metrics they're listing here i want to drive a cherry maserati i, I want <laughs> i want to eat a brunette that they they are failures as far as desire goes however if you say, I want to drive a specific person's cherry Maserati, or I want to eat a brunette that's the ghoul of a particular, or the, the sort of favoured mortal of a particular vampire, that's a good desire because it links into sort of stuff in the campaign. It's not generic. And basically, any, any session where you achieve your desire, again, you gain willpower back sort of instantly. But then obviously, once you've achieved that, next session you could put a new desire in so they're, they're your sort of short term goals and obviously if you if you did put a desire or a uh, an ambition in related to a specific NPC. So let, let's say you were like, "Oh, I, I want to." My, my long-term ambition is I want to knock off the head of the Hikata clan in this city. 
we would then add the head of the Hikata clan and we'd come up with a name for them onto the relationship chart. Now, obviously, regardless of whether they're on the relationship chart now, there is going to be like a head of that clan because it's like their sort of clan stronghold and there will be other vampires. But if you were particularly sort of like involved in them, basically with the, the ambitions and desires, you're sort of telling me this is the sort of stuff I want to see in the game. So if Dave's desire was like, oh, I want to put um, Alberto Scarpace out of business, the, the local fixer, he's telling me he wants to get involved in that sort of aspect of the of the game. So as I say, it's basically uh, ambitions are a way for you guys to say to me like, oh, this is something I'd like to walk to work, work towards in the game. And desire is sort of like, this is something I'd like to see sort of fairly soonish in the game. Um, John, I went for protect Venice from war between ancient vampires. Is that specific that, that's, enough? That's fine as an ambition. Yep. Okay. Well, ambition. What, what, what that tells me is an ambition is because Rob's interested in that, I will make sure there are some ancient vampires who are conflicting over control of Venice. So you say you got one, Dave? Yes, mate. I've got protect the family. Okay. I would say possibly make it a bit more specific. What are you protecting them from? At the moment, some ancient vampire rising up. Okay, yes. So but protect the family against an ancient vampire. Absolutely grand. It appears I am extremely successful at summoning a spirit now, John. All right, so okay. that's um, that's very good. Uh, I've successfully set up a, a ritual so that I can both roll the route check for it and roll the actual thing for it as well by just clicking, you know, oh, nice. icons. That's it's a fairly good cheat. Okay, so when you guys have got your ambitions and your desires written down, that's pretty much it, to be honest, in terms of the character gen. Uh, I would say the only thing got left for us to do, really, is I would suggest on the relationship, we have a bit of a chat about this, and on the relationship chart, you put in an arrow going to like, other P from PC to PC, effectively, and we sort of generally have a bit of a chat about, you know, so I'm assuming that you guys want to act as a coterie. A coterie is like a group of vampires who come together for like mutual protection and furtherance of their goals. It's basically the standard player party of the vampire game. So obviously we know that sort of you guys are going to be investigating stuff. That's the sort of theme of game we've chosen. But I'd say it's probably worth talking a little bit about how you guys envision you came together as a coterie sort of like what your relationships are, how you work together, that sort of thing. Just so like from the get-go, from the first session, we sort of know where we're going. We've not got to mess around with the whole like 
how did you all meet and like oh you you you're in a insert appropriate a euphemism for tavern and you all met up and whatever um have we a sense of what the first investigation might be okay my my idea for the first investigation and uh, I, I swear this was before you guys like put your relationship down um my first my first idea was that you were going to come across the dead body of a priest it's not it's not let's go rob it's not it's not going to be that priest because that'd be well unfair if i just went oh thanks for choosing those twitch stones by the way dead the priest dead i i will i will bring him back we have the technology (laughs) this this is the six billion bone man but um since you guys have got a priest npc i might say that this priest who's died is maybe affiliated or known to your sort of touchstone that's that's a way of sort of bringing you guys in but my my first thought was is this this priest's body is found he's been murdered or killed in some way and there may be some sort of you know like cryptic last words from the priest as he like breathes his last or perhaps johannes's character can summon his spirit and get some additional information and that will lead you to investigate his death and sort of come across the first sort of clues and sort of things leading you into like the main the main sort of plot we're going for there is one thing everyone needs to do john and that's choose their actual um discipline level yeah yeah we're, we're, we're gonna go yeah. into the, the discipline powers in a bit Or if you guys would rather do that now, and it would give you a bit of time to think about the sort of coterie thing, we can do that now if you would prefer. So that's a, a fairly sort of easy thing to do. Yeah, probably makes sense. Give us. Yeah, give it time to think. Okay, let me just find the order. Powers. There we go. Okay, so. I'm just going to go through the disciplines and say, anyone got this discipline? Then we'll work out what powers you've got. Anyone got animalism? Yes. What what level have you got? Uh, One. Just one, yeah. Okay. So there are two level one powers. You can each pick one of these. So the first one is called Bond Famulus. It's on page 245. And this is basically... Instead of just feeding your blood to an animal and going like, oh, I've got an animal who's a bit loyal to me, great. You literally like make it into your stereotypical sort of familiar. You know, you form a mental link with it. So you have to feed the animal. The animal has to drink your blood on three separate nights, each of which require you to make a rouse check. Uh, The amount of blood needed to sustain the ghoul state of the animal after that is negligible, so you don't have to worry about constantly not making checks after that system without use of feral whispers which is uh, a level two power that lets you understand animals you can give commands to the animal just by making a charisma plus animal can roll so you don't need a special power to like tell them what to do and make yourself understood because that you've got that mental bond with them you can only have one familiar but you can get a new one if your current one dies um, if you do get feral whispers which is animalism level two or subsume the spirit, which is animalism level four, later on, which allows you to like slide your consciousness into an animal and possess it. You can use them for free, 
without having to make any checks or anything because you, you're already bonded to the animal. Once you've created a familiar, it's bound to you until it dies. The second power is Sense the Beast. You can sense the beast present in mortals, vampires, and other supernaturals, gaining a sense of their nature, hunger, and hostility. Doesn't cost anything. You make a resolve plus animalism roll versus the composure and subterfuge of the person you're using it on. If you win, you can sense the level of hostility in a target, whether they're prepared to do harm or not, just the general level of hostility. You can determine whether they harbor a supernatural beast. So if they're like a vampire or a werewolf or anything like that, you'll be like, yeah, they're supernatural. On a win, a critical success gives you information on the exact type of creature they are. So you could be like, that's a vampire rather than that's someone supernatural as well as their sort of level of hunger how close their beast is to the surface you can use this both actively and passively warning the users of aggressive intent in their immediate vicinity so literally having this power if someone was like coming up behind you and they were like pulling out a knife ready to shank you you could pass you could instinctively without activating the power yourself you would get a roll to see whether you sensed their aggression and you could react and we can take one of them, can we, John? You can take one of those powers, yeah, if you've got level one. Okay. Gives you that level one version of whichever one you choose, yeah? Yep. Or is it just a... Well, th those a... those two powers are level one powers. So, yeah. let's say you take Sense the Beast for yours, Darren. Yeah. If you Probably. later bought an extra dot of animalism, with that second dot, you could go, oh, I'm going to take a level two power. Or you could go, I'm going to take another level one power. It's up to you. Okay. So where do you put these under? Okay, um... so these, you would note them down on... Bum, bum, bum. There's a disciplines tab. And you see where you've where you've put down animalism. Mm. If you click on click on it, there's like a box will appear underneath oh, it. Oh, add power. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense the beast. Okay. Sounds more appropriate. Okay. Does anyone have all specs? I do. What level do you have? One. Okay, so you can take either heightened senses, sharpening your senses to a preternatural degree. Or sense the unseen. Yep, so, it'll be the latter one. Yeah, yeah, I thought, thought it might be. <laughs> so this allows you to set your attuned to dimensions beyond the mundane. This you can detect anything from a vampire using obfuscate to someone spying on you with all specs to a ghost lurking invisibly in the middle of the room. Also, potentially with storyteller's discretion, like dormant blood rituals and stuff like that. Okay, so I can see Dave's gone behind sensors. Okay, so on we get. Anyone got celerity? Yeah. Oh, okay. bugger. <laughs> it's, it's, it's better, not, it's Dave. Not as I swear. It's not as bad as mine's idea to make. I swear it's better <laughs> this <Okay>. time. <laughs> okay, so I'm assuming you've got it at level one, Rob. Yes. 
Okay, so you can take either the power Cat's Grace, you gain balance and grace equal to and surpassing world-class trapeze altars. You can run, walk along ledges and wires effortlessly. This costs you nothing. You automatically pass any dex or athletics roll necessary to keep your balance. It doesn't allow you to balance on stuff that won't support your weight. But like if you were like, I'm going to walk across that tightrope there in a heavy wind, you wouldn't even need to make a roll. You could just, I've done it. <sighs> or you can take rapid reflexes. While your body can't defy the laws of nature, you can perceive events instantly and react to them with superhuman speed. You can observe incoming projectiles to the extent you can attempt to dodge arrows and even bullets without cover. It doesn't cost you anything. With this power, you suffer no penalty to your defense pool for lack of cover against firearms. You can also take a minor action worth up to two dice per turn, such as readying or reloading a weapon for free. So instead of going like, oh, fire my gun, I've got to reload it, you can just be like, it's done. And I'm, I'm ready to go. Okay. That sounds like a good one for a firearm expert. So that's on page 252, Rapid Reflexes. Does anyone have Dominate? Okay. Oh, shit, guys. Our, our... <laughs> Dominate is very nice in this one. Dominate and... the tits in Vampire Fifth Edition. Yeah, and I'm delighted by the fact that we don't have it because we're we're gonna we're gonna have some different tools. Okay, anyone with fortitude? Yeah, I have two dots. Okay, so for your first <laughs> dot, you can take either of the following level one powers. There is resilience. So the user adds their fortitude rating to their health track. Doesn't cost you anything. That's all it does. You have mo health levels. You have, or you can take unswayable mind. You gain the mystical ability to resist any attempts to sway your mind through mundane charms, coercion, stuff like that. Again, it's free. Most level one powers don't actually cost anything. You get to, with this power, you get to add your dots in fortitude as extra dice in any rolls made to resist attempts at coercion, intimidation, seduction, or any attempt to sway the user's mind against their will. It also works against supernatural abilities like Dominate and Presence. Okay. So we'll take Resilience. Okay. So now for your level 2 dot in Fortitude, you could either take the other level 1 power, or you can take a level 2 power, which I'll tell you what they are. The two level 2 powers are Toughness. Now, to use this, you have to make a Rouse check because you're using your blood. And you subtract the f your fortitude from all superficial damage sustained. This occurs. So superficial damage is like things that don't really affect vampires that much. So I believe okay. firearms are superficial for vampires, whereas they're very much not for mortals because you don't okay. suffer like massive um, trauma. Now, superficial damage for vampires is halved. Now, in addition to that, as well as halving the damage, if you have this power, you halve the damage then you subtract your fortitude from the amount of damage. Okay. Or you could take Enduring Beasts. The user shares a small portion of their unnatural toughness with the animals they influence. So you can choose to extend some of your fortitude powers to animals affected by their animalism. Like if you've got a familiar or anything like that. The animal imbued gains additional health levels equal to the fortitude dots of the vampire. Okay, I'll have that one. 
Okay. So that's, that's right up my street. So that's Enduring Beasts on page 258. Okay, now okay. You, how much obfuscate have you got, Darren? Three. Three. Okay, right. <laughs> so he's going big with the obfuscate. I love it. Okay, so with your first dot, you can take either of the following level one powers. Cloak of Shadows costs nothing, and as long as you stand perfectly still, you blend into your surroundings. As long as you stay still, you've got some sort of cover and you don't make any sound, people won't detect you. That lasts for a scene, it doesn't cost anything. Or you can take Silence of Death. Again, it's free, and you silence your footsteps, clothing, minor collisions, and all of the sounds, like incidental sounds you would make. It makes you undetectable if the observer would only notice you by sound. So if you were like creeping through a house doing a bit of burglary, you whap that on and unless someone can actually see you or you like knock something over or make yourself obvious, no one's going to know you're there. And that okay. lasts for a scene as well. So for your second dot, I'll read you the level two powers out, but obviously if you preferred, you could take a level one power for this. So the level two powers are Unseen Passage. You can now move around while staying hidden. You are functionally invisible. As long as you emit no overpowering odours and no sound louder than a whisper, this power automatically works. Only if the observer has their attention drawn to the user can they make a detection roll. Note the user cannot use this power to disappear while being observed. But you can basically become invisible and move around. And as long as you're careful and don't draw attention to yourself, you're grand. That does seem to be... Both of those you get... Is that what? You get a level one and level two. No, no, you can pick one of the two. So you can have either or, you can't have them both. Right. But there's only one level two power. That's the unseen passage. Oh, that's what I mean. You get one level one, one level two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, okay, yeah. on on this this topic, because um, it gets a little bit more complex, but you have a little bit more freedom here. So, you've got your dots, which is three. So you get to pick uh, three powers. So, when you got your first dot, you would have picked the first level one because that's the only one you can get. When you get your second dot, you can pick a power from the first or the second level. Same goes for the third dot. So when you get the third dot, you can pick a third power, which can be from the third, second, or first level. So if the second level power, which is there is only one of those, if that's not interesting to you, uh, you can default sort of that pick to level one if there's something there for you. Right. If that I mean, makes I like, sense. I like, I like the two, but... Um... Yeah, yeah, I just wondered how it worked. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. So for level three, and again, I'm just going to read you out the two level three powers, but obviously you could take the level two or a level one power if you preferred at this level. Mm -hmm. So level three is Ghost in the Machine. Basically, any invisibility powers you've got with earlier levels, they now also affect like machines. So with your previous obfuscate stuff, that's great if someone's looking for you and you're invisible, but if you're like caught on a CCTV camera, it doesn't help. Wow. With this level, however, you can be like, oh, I'm moving around using my earlier pass unseen powers, but now also the CCTV camera is not going to pick me up as well. Right. 
and it says cool. here, if an observer views an image of you later on, uh, as in a photograph or recording, the effect is slightly lessened, so they wouldn't know there was someone there, but like you would be blurred and sort of fogged out. They wouldn't be able to look at it and be like, oh yes, this we'll is the man officer. Make you out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other alternative level 3 power you can take is is an old favourite from the old game, Mask of a Thousand Faces. And with this power, instead of disappearing, you make yourself appear as a nondescript stranger. But people just sort of, like, let's say you're, let's say you broke into like a hospital and you use Mask of a Thousand Faces, you'll be like, I look like generic nurse or doctor. So you appear as like just a generic person, attired as like someone you would expect to be there. So if you were like, oh, I'm, I'm in this like, I'm in this uh, quick fit or whatever. Oh, I look like a generic mechanic in overalls. So people just tend to go, oh yeah, it's a mechanic or oh, it's a nurse or whatever. So is it is it your clothing as well as? Yeah, it's a, it's a complete oh, illusion. Your appearance. Yeah, okay. it allows you to interact and communicate with people, and as long as you sort of don't do anything ridiculous to draw attention to yourself, people will just be like, yeah, and keep c- 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 cool. You're a mechanic, of course. You're here in the car repair shop. Yeah. That sounds yeah, I like that one. And that's Mask of a Thousand Faces on page two sixty-two. Oh. Okay. Does anyone have any potents? I do. Okay, have you already picked yours or I have mate, yeah, lethal body. Oh yeah, they are on level one, so your unarmed attacks now do aggravated health damage to mortals if desired. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty naughty, that is. Aggravated damage is basically like the most horrendous damage in the game. It's like if you're a vampire and you take damage from sunlight or fire, it's aggravated damage because it takes a long time to heal. For mortals, aggravated damage is like, oh, half my rib cage has been blown out of my back, or like I'm missing a limb, I'm probably going to die. With this potence one power, Dave's character can basically do that sort of damage, which is like his hands, because he can just literally like, oh, I've just like pushed your heart out the back of your chest. Anyone else have any potents? Okay, I'll tell her there's a note. Anyone get any presents? No. Here we go, protein. And you've got three levels in that to me, Rob. I actually only have two, but I have a question. Yes. Um, how many sessions do we think it would take to get 15 more experience? Oh, I can't remember offhand. I'll have to, have a, I'll have to look up. You, you have just... You've stumbled on to the greatest weakness of vampire games throughout the ages, the experience gain system. Um, I will pull up what the book says, and then John will uh, have to probably either decide now or do some some thinking on uh, before probably the, about uh, what four or five sessions. Because they <clears throat> don't spend a lot of words on this well, I, um, I seem to remember back in the day the source i mean i don't know if that's for this edition but the standard used to be about three or so didn't it so used to be about maximum of six xp a session i think yeah and the triggers for those in in my humble opinion were um suboptimal um so what the book says here is, is the storyteller awards each player uh one experience point per session played plus one point at the end of each story. In shorter chronicles and others where more rapid improvement as to the drama, the storyteller may choose to award two points per character at the end of each session. And okay. that's all she wrote. Okay. 
Um, so what I might do, John, because I really want to shape shift, yeah, yeah, is I will change the decision I made when I got my XP, okay, and I'll remove the uh, fortitude and take the third level in protein. Uh, protein. Okay, lovely. Okay, so I'll go through the protein powers then. I actually have them there, so you can kind of move on. I'll take eye the beast, weight of the feather, and shape change. Okay, lovely. That was nice and quick. Okay, we've not got any blood sorcery, so I'm going to Tremere. Uh, da, da, da. So, have you sort of sat down to what you want for your Oblivion, Giannis? Uh Yes, yes. I did take a dot in that. Okay, do you, do you want me to go through the powers? No, I got Ashes to Ashes. Okay, so that's the one where you can just be like, oh, Shazam, like their body's ash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you also have an option here. If you wanted to not do the necromancy shit, you could instead do the Lazambra Oblivion, um, which I don't remember if there is a second level one thing that they have, but uh, theirs is um, basically a plus two to being stealthy. Like you, you draw... I'm, I'm... I'm fine with just removing bodies. Yep. yep. <laughs> okay. That's very good. What do you go for, Janus? Uh Well, especially because now we have a, a leg breaker who sort of moonlights as a cleaner as well. Um, I am no longer worried about removing the, uh, the corpses. So I have the binding fetter, which means I yep. can uh, discern objects to which ghosts are tied, which I need then to use my second thing. Always handy. Yeah, which is like I have, I have two things going on here. Where I have shroud the, thins. Yeah, where the shroud thins, I can thin the proverbial shroud between the world of the living and the dead uh, to make it easier for uh, dead things to happen. And um, the third power is the aura of decay, which makes living and non, uh, well, li living and organic things. Uh, decay in my presence. Um, the sort of use cases described there are sort of very peripheral, but some somehow they ended up mentioning like, oh yeah, if you spoil food with this, it's gonna hurt people. <laughs> so there's that. I can I can make danger milk happen with this power, and <laughs> and also just activate this and stand relatively close to a person and just watch them die. <laughs> it sort of grinds them to dust. Um, so there's that, uh, and then I have, these are the powers tied to the discipline of Oblivion. I also have magical ritual things, uh, which I will have three of as well as I finish putting them on my sheet here, but my rituals are summon spirit. I make a ghost happen. Yep. Um, um, my second ritual is compel spirit. I tell ghosts what to do. Yep. And then my third one, actually, do we have strong opinions either way i have two options for my um my third ritual here um one i, I know what thing... you're going to ask <laughs> <laughs> yeah which one do you guys want as far as like flavor goes because very different very different outcomes here um i've got an option whereby i can summon a spirit and then i can invite the spirit to possess me um to my great advantage when it comes to being physical so i can sort of enhance my own physical capabilities by having a ghost inhabit my body now the ghost might you know want to ride my body around so that might be a problem but um 
so that's one option. Second option is I make a horde of very aggressive murder zombies. And it's murder specifically zombies. it's yeah, specifically murder zombies. murder zombies because they will <laughs> unless I tell them to stop, they will keep killing people. Always yeah. murder zombies. In the stats they are described as <laughs> aggressive corpses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they are pretty spicy when it comes to that. And they, yeah, they, they will absolutely brawl six. Yeah, and and if it's people they're fighting, they're doing aggravated damage. So murder like, zombies. Yeah, murder zombies. Like that's that's like the nuclear option. <laughs> I can make that happen, and it will it will mean dead people, a lot of them. So right, yeah. turn them into ashes. Yeah, that's that's kind of you know I guess why they. I hope put... your ambition, if you take that, is not to get to humanity ten, because yeah, yeah, just like be, to... become more human than human, because <laughs> yeah, because. Uh, in order to do that ritual, I already need one person just to sacrifice, not to turn into a zombie, but to fuel the thing. Yeah. So it's it's going to mean bodies, but then some of the bodies get up. Okay, so I guess we're doing the unanimous vote was for murder zombies. So <laughs> I guess we're going with that. Okay. Did you pick a, um, a ritual for yourself, Dave, if you've got Oblivion? I've not got that far yet. Oh, yeah. You, um, you can pick um either one of the level one ones because of your one dot so you can get the uh, summon spirit or um uh, like animate like weak non-murder zombie yeah ma make some single shambling zombie um oh, no, actually it's not a single one make your ceremony roll and upon a win you raise a number of corpses equal to their oblivion oh. rating or the number of bodies oh. they have prepared which is lower whichever's lower a critical win doubles their oblivion rating for this purpose only. But yeah, these, the same these are the, the stats for these are nowhere near as spicy as the murder zombies. These are like your stereotypical like mindless corpses with like physical too. Yeah. And they're basically like slowly like decay and fall to pieces. They're, they're pretty much useful for like menial labor. Oh yeah. Also the murder zombies don't they stop decaying. So I if if we get some XP eventually I can make them my retainers forever <laughs> yeah whereas the the mindless corpses they can't be repaired or heal damage how and they also take one health level of damage for each day that passes so eventually even if they just stood there doing nothing they would just fall to pieces however they do get and this makes a certain sort of sense they do get intimidation for which yeah yeah it's a zombie <laughs> they, they would yeah. what's sense. the um What's the, zomb the zombie ritual called? It's the Gift of False Life, page 208, and the um, Courts of the Blood God. Oh, yeah, they do have prerequisites, but did you pick the correct one? I think you did. Um, you took Ashes to Ashes. Ashes to Ashes. Yes, yes, exactly. So you only had one option. Sorry, I was wrong, because I forgot the prerequisites. But you're, you're, a, you're good with that pair. The only ingredients you need are a human body or multiple bodies. And a small concoction of blood, phlegm, and bile. Uh, you apply the concoction to the corpses, perform the ceremony, they animate, and they follow a single command from the vampire, providing it's simple, and the corpse is physically capable of performing it. The examples given are, sweep the floor, hold this door shut, walk around the house perimeter. No Carry this corpse. Yeah. They've no ability to think or calculate, so conditional or complicated commands such as attack the next person to walk through this archway do not work. 
they may be directed towards a specific target for attack or other action if the necromancer points at them. So you've literally got to stand next to them and be like, kill that guy there if you want them to attack them. That's fine. I can cope with that. It gives me long enough to run away. Yeah, they, they're literally so dumb they don't even defend themselves from attack. Like if someone's attacking them, they'll just carry on doing what they were told to do and get back. Brilliant. <laughs> like if you say to the, you say to your corpse, like, carry this body over there and like a load of like hunters leap out with like guns and start firing at it, the corpse will just carry on walking, carrying the body and Yeah, they're committed. They're committed. Yeah. Committed to the bit. Okay, so I think aside from as we said, putting uh sort of chatting a bit about the the coterie and sort of putting your your relationships to each other on the the map i think we're pretty much done now one thing it does suggest which might be of use in the main book if i can find the the page where it lists suggestions for like sort of coterie types oh yeah um i forgot what page it's on yeah it's uh, there we go so this is 195 and and this is where we get to me and john chuckling because we're about to ask names we're, we're about to go to france that's it <laughs> Okay. Oh god, yeah. Okay. Okay, so that's coterie creation. So I'm gonna jump to to types of coterie first and then we'll sort of look at some of the the more funny stuff. Okay, so these are it suggests here you choose a coterie type or invent your own. If your coterie matches a given type I'm basically just gonna give you the extra shiz it says here. So, the the types of coterie we have are a, a blood cult. Although technically these are a violation of the masquerade, blood cults have resurged recently. You entice mortal worshippers, feeding them blood or just enslaving them, and obviously in return you get dedicated worshippers and potential blood on tap and stuff like that. Um, there is Cerberus. You exist to protect or guard a certain spot or important location. Champions, you exist to fight for a cause. Commando, you exist to fight its master's enemies. Daywatch, the coterie guards the undead city from mortals. So not protecting vampires against the Inquisition. Fang Gang, you operate as a criminal gang or a crew of burglars or con artists. Hunting Party, you specialise in hunting and capturing humans with particular qualities of the blood. Maracal, I think it's pronounced. You serve and guard the prince or baron, doing their biddings as attendants and hatchet men. Nomads, you travel from place to place. Plumaire, uh, united by ties of social prominence or common enthusiasms, you're a sort of social coterie. Kestari, you exist to accomplish a great enterprise or objective. Regency, uh, an elder of the Camarilla chose or created the coterie. To guard their legacy as they disappeared off to the Middle East. Sabiri, you disguise yourself as one type of coterie while secretly serving another prince or baron. Vemi, 
named after a vigilant a vigilante secret society in medieval germany apparently primogen tasked this coterie to protect the masquerade at all costs watchman you patrol the city and protect it from intruders and other dangers so i don't know if any of those appeal to you guys well, i guess if we're going investigating like the watchmen or the champions kind of feel okay yeah so champion but that's is protection fighting, of, of the masquerade is also uh venom sorry vema yeah so vema is like say um you've yeah. been tasked by it says primogen in here but it would just be like an important body of kindred to since there's not a heavy camera presence in this city you've been tasked by important kindred to protect the masquerade at all costs that's vema watchmen is you patrol the city and protect it from intruders anarchs werewolves all the manner of malarkey so obviously this is a decision for the group so feel free to discuss it and decide which if any of these appeals to you yeah i i guess the protecting the masquerade is like the easy thing um and there's a couple more there that i think rob you were just mentioning that like if we want to put a different flavor on it we could but basically i i guess we are like about a thing uh as as far as like uh like a, there's a, a a cause that we're pursuing i suppose yeah um the champions one kind of lines up with that and it also kind of broad enough that we could kind of do a lot of with it as well um also says that ticker blooded champions likely consider themselves anarchs so that would also move us away from the establishment a bit more than like the Watchman and the protection of the masquerade, which kind of both feel quite Camarilla-ish. So are yeah. we are we like a group of people who are sort of like picking this up now because we might think that if we do then then like we have claimed authority basically so if we clean the house is the house then ours uh, i suppose is what i'm i'm trying to like um why would it be us doing this is what i'm thinking now have we we been told to work together or are we were we acquaintances and did we just realize oh we could make a make some moves here if we uh if we do this if we do away with this problem we can point to it and say well you know no one else did that so yeah i guess i never thought about why that's it i was gonna say so 12th and 13th generations of vampires and stuff don't normally jump up that quick do they or if they do some sort of 
they didn't use to. Um, a lot of the old guard is dead now or gone on travels indefinitely. And uh, it's sort of like the, it's it's still sort of, it's not like open season, but like it's it's blatant that there's a lot of empty chairs around. Yeah. I guess that comes to why we're together and why we're, yeah, what we're doing, I guess. Uh... That order, the, like, the fact that we were not only trying to solve the mystery or investigation, but also trying to increase our status, that would add like a second theme running through the mm -hmm. campaign, which establish ourselves a little bit yeah i, um, I would say um, if you're looking to improve your status you're more likely to be able to do that if there's in a sort of anarch setting than a camarilla setting purely because two, two of your members are hecata which the camarilla will be like not so much whereas the anarchs like if you're sort of working for the cause they give less of a shit about things rather than Well, like I say, it's up to you guys whether you want to have had like a some sort of older kindred who's like specifically brought you guys together to like look into this these matters, or whether you guys want to have come together yourselves and there's some sort of like personal reason for yourselves why you're why you're sort of looking into these investigations. If you guys want to go like oh. But if you don't want to think about it too much, you say, oh yeah, bro, an elder kindred's brought us together. I'm perfectly happy to like create an older kindred and be like, yeah, th this dude's brought you together for reasons X, Y, and Z to investigate these these strange occurrences that are going on in the city. I mean, I, I definitely feel like I'd have already been investigating all this and looking into all this. Um sort of over the years almost and I don't think it's you know it happened overnight no no definitely not so I feel that I'd have been doing all that I've also got I'm quite financially supported and got resources and contacts all that what, sort of what stuff what resources have you got uh, I've got um, so I've got resources level 4 and a level oh, 3 yeah. contact oh yeah you're well off and I've got a I've only got a small secure haven, but um, I feel that he would be financing sort of stuff and looking for people to help him. Um, whether we can tie that into some of the links between the characters, I don't know. Because um, he's probably a bit of a loner, or was. Uh, I mean, would any of the guys be sort of up for hire almost to start with? Is that a thing? What do you think? The one so, thing Mafia does very well is hire people out as protection. Yeah. I think... Um, so if, if we go with the presumption that uh, Darren, your character, would be 
like just by default looking around because that's what he do and he hits on this and eventually is like okay um i i might want to bring in people oh yeah, it's definitely outside my yeah my, yeah uh, skill set and on my own anyway so because because you have a lot of resources um your one dot, which is, you know, admittedly uh, like abstract, but you're one dot away from like existence being trivial <laughs> as far as money goes uh, and um, extremely well off. And I don't know, Rob and, and Dave, how many resources you have, but uh, I did Richard not. Richard and me and I work for the Mafia. <laughs> Um, my character's focuses have not been on material gain, so I think if you are the richest, maybe you arranged for things to sort of get this way originally, because if you originally picked up the info, okay, something's happening, you notice the pattern, you come forward, and you're like, well, I've got the info, I've got resources, I need people. Uh, so maybe talk to some of my uh, associates and bring them on board. Because you can kind of bank bankroll a lot of this stuff for us as well. Acting as, as like whether you want to do that or not is completely different. But like the option is there for you to be like the rich guy who sort of kicks the whole yeah. thing off <laughs> i mean yeah yeah that's definitely my my ambition is to protect the innocents from being turned to vampires yeah because yeah. that's how he feels that's what happened to him so that's it that's his long-term ambition the, the quest harry might be a good one for that because it's a group that kind of comes together with, to a single accomplish a great enterprise or objective mm -hmm. um well i guess the kind of they form of their own volition so we I guess that means it just gives us the, uh, I guess, independence to the yeah. venture, you know. Um, yeah. And it would still be okay that would be bankrolled by one of the members and that some of us were potentially paid as, or and some of us were into it for more moral reasons or whatever. Um There's been a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, I mean, if you guys are happy with the idea that uh, Darren's character's already been investigating and he's sort of bought, realised some of this is outside his, his wheelhouse, effectively, and he's brought the rest of you guys in to like consult on it, basically. And obviously, it's it's down to you guys to to ensure that you know your characters are going to remain interested in the like plot going on obviously i'm going to try and bring stuff in that sort of applies to your guys characters and like the npcs and stuff like that and your your the desires of your characters but obviously it's down to you guys at the end to sort of like work together as a group as a coterie to to pursue what's going on in the game because despite the fact you're all like edgy like 90s vampires it, it is still a group focused game you are still playing like a coterie of vampires so it's down to you guys to find 
a reason to like work together and to like keep that going throughout the game. But if you guys want to have Darren's character sort of bringing you all together initially, I'm I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, works for me. Okay. Yeah. All right. And what type of coterie do we want to go for? Do we want to go for the Castari? What's the Castari again? It's the the coterie exists to accomplish a single great enterprise or objective. Yeah, I guess. And it, it literally says here they may chase a target, hunt a relic, or solve a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Yep, it's all good. Solve the mystery of the Venice murders. Okay, let's see. There's old man with us. Okay, so I'm going to give you the extras you get here. Just letting this down in my notes. Okay, so boom, 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 boom. this is where we get to like the stupid titles. Okay, so the core aspect of every coterie is their domain, the physical area of the city in which the coterie can hunt. To the Camarilla, each domain is like a feudal fife held by grant from the prince or the noble kindred. Anarch coteries more likely refer to them as turf. Either way, the principle remains pretty much the same. So, like other elements of World of Darkness, domains have traits. Each dot of a domain trait costs one dot, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so we have Chasseur, which dis describes how well stocked, vulnerable, and rich the domain is as a hunting ground. So one dot of chasseur means you've got the geographical equivalent of one city block or a suburban gated community all the way up to five, which is like three neighborhoods, a large group of features like all the parks on the south side, all the hospitals in Queens, stuff like that. They don't necessarily have to translate to size. It could be a smaller domain that has like richer pickings in it. Now, because you've gone for Castari, you guys are going to get Chasseur 1 by default, which means you've got a city block, like a small gated community as your legitimate domain, effectively. I'm keeping track of these, by the way. Yeah, I've got them written down as well. We then go on to Lien, which is how well integrated the coterie is into their domain. Each dot in Lien adds one dice to your pulls on attempts to interact peacefully with a native mortal of the area find something someone or somewhere specific within the domain get the word on the street it basically makes it easier to do social stuff when you're in your domain it doesn't modify hunting roles however you get to lien uh three so basically any sort of social stuff within that city block that's your domain you'll be getting like three extra dice to your pool hot damn we, yeah. we we should talk to some locals, some witnesses. Yeah, pr pretty much. If you've got anyone with even vaguely good social stats, and you're like, oh, we need to find out the word on the street. It's like, yeah, just like bag an extra three dice onto the mm -hmm. dice pool. Also, it's it's just within our area though. But like, the locals, the the ones that we quote unquote, you know, live with, uh, I think that's 
like that's that's how it works like this is our area specifically and our area size is determined by chasse is, is that correct john that's correct yeah yeah so it's uh, on our block people really like to talk to us so yeah, pretty much okay so the next thing you get is you get contacts too so with your contacts in the local area who will feed you information so yeah so contacts are humans with level two you have one contact who can do or get you something useful to the equivalent of like resources too so in my, the examples it gives are like a small time gun dealer or like a veterinarian yep so we'll chat a bit about who that contact might be in a moment you also get a haven like a group haven as well as any individual ones you've got which we can sort out exactly what that is a bit later on or in the first session and i'm going to give you the choice of it can either have a library mauler which is a group of npc kindred in the area who like who are invested in helping you out or it can have additional resources in the haven so like assets that you could like liquidate fairly easily in the haven if you needed some like extra cash or perhaps a an income that's somehow generated from the haven depending on what it is i would like to throw out the suggestion even though like library sounds great um i think there's a lot of sort of emergent story fuel to be had with like let's put some other vampires on our block who have like they're like because it's this is from our um area so and it specifically john you said that they have a vested interest in helping us we have tenants on our turf so i feel like that is like story potential right there because they're vampires they're they're gonna bring in problems <laughs> if we do the the sort of second option that you mentioned but that's okay. i just wanted to put that out there yeah obviously this is something you need to decide as a group do you want the library the group of kindred or do you want the extra cashola maybe we have plenty of cash um i mean darren's cash i think more rolling, isn't it? yeah well let's say i say we the royally <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think the the mall are the, the extra kindred, yeah, yeah, okay. So, effectively, you are going to have mauler at level three. Within... Oh, it's actually, hmm, this is this is pretty good, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, basically, the way this works is if you add mauler one, you could have one neonate. Mauler 2, you could have one Ancilla. If you had Mauler 3, which you do, you could have one Elder. Now, if you wish, instead of having a single vampire, you can have like a small group of vampires, but it costs like one dot more. So if you want a group of Neonates, it costs two dots. A group of Ancilla costs three dots. A group of Elders would cost four dots. And Mauler, obviously we will put these on the relationship charts as well. As a general rule, they provide a helpful world 
word and occasional sort of like really minor favors but they're not going to like fight your battles for you or like massively inconvenience themselves for you so like if they have if they have to do so for their own sake they will do but they're like most vampires they're going to look after themselves first but if they can help you and help themselves or at least not massively inconvenience themselves they probably will do And the max we can get is a group of the max you can get is a group of Ancilla because you've got three dots. So okay. also you can acquire one-off minor boons from other kindred during character creation. They cost half the points of the equivalent Mauler. So what you could do if you wanted is <laughs> technically if you wanted to blow all your stack on this you could go, we've not got a group of vampires. However, we've got a one-off minor boon from a prince. And like when you call that minor boon in, the prince has to pay it. Because like that's like the currency of vampiric society. But that's like a one-off deal. Once you've used it, it's gone. So you can get a you can get a lot more powerful person owing you a boon than you can a group, but obviously the group's an ongoing thing. Whereas the favours are one-off. I think like... the ongoing thing gives us more, you know, story. Yeah, yeah, story-wise. Uh, if we have a gaggle of, <laughs> of right. vampires in our backyard, that I feel like that's spicy. Though, let it be said, on the record, minor boon from a prince, we could probably point out a dude, and if it's not like the prince, prince's banker, that dude's probably gonna die, um, so that that's just a thought that is also very cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the the gaggle of vampires is probably the call. Okay, so do you guys want to have a single elder, or do you want to have a group of Ancilla? I think we want a group. Yeah, I feel it. A small, a small group of sort of below us, almost, you know. And yeah, they're on our turf, so sort of young, <laughs> young vampires that are, you know, we can sort of control, use. <laughs> so probably what we want then is a bigger group of neonates then to be the same level effect. Yeah, but yeah, basically you can have, you can use it to have like a small. I mean, it doesn't say this specifically, but the way I'm sort of thinking of it is you could have a small group of Ancilla. Or you can spend the same amount of points to have like an even bigger group of neonates. And maybe we have a couple of coteries then. Yeah. Like instead of having like one coterie of ten vampires, like fucking the theater of the vampire. <laughs> I'll, I'll be quite prepared to say like you could have, if it, if it's neonates, you could have like two coteries of like five kindred. So making their havens mm. within your your city block or whatever. Do we want to go with that? Yeah, I definitely think okay. neonates is the way to go because we. Okay. Yeah, we're on because Ancilla might be like, yeah, we're doing you a favor by living in your house. And, uh, <laughs> I think there's also a problem there, though, in the fact that you get more vampires in an area, you're going to get more attention. Yeah, yeah, th and that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of why I'm lobbying that's, for this. That's the story potential. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because then, then we uh go in and it's like, listen, guys, <laughs> like you, I need to, I need to call my uh Putanesca friend 
every week to dispose of the bodies that you drop here. I, I, I do like the idea that like, the reason his character is like you so much because occasionally they come up to like uh, you guys and they're like, it, it's happened again. Uh, I don't know if you could help us out with this. It's in the back of the van. And Dave's racket, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's just, let's fire up ashes to ashes, I guess. Yep. Okay, so... What, what I'm going to suggest is, obviously, I'll come up with a name for the coterie and I'll I'll detail out the coterie and whatever. What I would suggest, though, is we, we come up with a very sort of simple, like, theme for each of the two coteries. So we might be like, oh, coterie one is, like, the, the, the bruisers and thugs coterie or whatever. And mm -hmm. this is how we feel about them and this is how they feel about us. And we'll sort of keep it as, like, the coteries rather than the individual sort of kindred for now or sort of generalize them out a little bit so does anyone have, you've got two of these coteries of neonates who i'm going to assume because they're sort of like well disposed towards you they're probably a bit younger than yourselves in terms of mm -hmm. v vampiric time as vampires so does anyone have any thoughts for the sort of basic concept of the first coterie i guess i had a talk that maybe we would have um, if each of them rolled up into a different faction, um, so if one of them rolled up into the the Camilla and one of them rolled up into the Anarchs, that that might give us some a bit of a um, yeah, with, with either with either of the factions, should we need it? Oh, that's um, fine. If, if everyone's happy with that, I'll make a I'll make a quick note of that. Yeah, no, I also think that the Anarchs should be like um, hipsters. Do you know what? Yeah, why not? Yeah. So if we want to go with this side... Before it was all the cool new thing. Like, are these... Because... Okay, hold on here. So if we're saying Anarchs and we're saying Hipsters, which I'm hearing as, like, they're modern as people. Like, they're not going to be, like, from the 80s necessarily. Like, younger than that. Are Is this an Anarch coterie of primarily tourists? That got turned into vampires because. Oh yeah, I could uh, see that. Because that that might sort of be a an interesting thing. Because th there's a reason why they would be stuck with us people who are not necessarily big shots in the vampire world, and they need to be on our turf, pay us homage, because they're even lower on the social strata because they're <laughs> they're just accidents. Yeah, I could see that. Dirty you know, when, foreigners. I could see that when the Anarchs are like, oh yeah, we're gonna. We're gonna sort of start taking a bit of this territory because, like, the uh, the Hikata aren't like policing it as thoroughly, and they're like, "Oh shit!" So we need like some recruits, like, quick. Oh, there's a big gaggle mm -hmm. of people over there wearing like swim shorts and like ridiculous hats. They'll mm -hmm. do. Bonk. <laughs> big fat Americans. <laughs> yeah. Do, how do we feel about that? <laughs> yeah, and the plumer looks like a good. Um... What are they called? Just so much coterie. Coterie, yeah. That's a good coterie for them. Sorry, what's a good coterie for them? Sorry. Uh, Plumer, it's called. Birds oh, and yeah, feathers flock together, and social coteries like Plumer's yeah, yeah, yeah. exemplify this adage. Yeah. Okay, so that's our 
That's how I ran out Kips to sort it out, not a phrase I thought I'd be saying. <laughs> to be honest, but uh, <clears throat> love it. <laughs> okay, so what about our, our sort of Camarilla Neon 8 coterie? Oh, stuck up Bantry. <laughs> this is the stereotypical like businessmen Bantry, they all wear like grey suits. Yeah, man. They're, they're Try, trying to, laptop, trying to muscle laptops. in on some mafia turf. It's yeah. that, or you have um, uh, like a Coutry of Tremere. I, I would say another possibility because it is a, a, a sort of Toreador themed Coutry because there's like Mo art exhibits and like places and like natural beauty and Venice massive, and massive balls every year. Yeah. So the, I, I, I could legitimately also... see why like the socialite sort of Camarilla Kindred would be like, oh, what you say there's like room going in Venice that we can move into? Let's go. I would go with um, a Von True Toyodor mix. Yeah, that that would be the spearhead. Because the the, um, <laughs> yeah, the Von True would would quite happily foot the bill for the Toyodor, um, just like you say to get the foot in the door. Okay. And what sort of what sort of coterie do we think would be good for them? Um, probably like Watchmen or something. Yeah, but if they're if they're sort of acting as a spearhead, I'm not sure if they'd be like protecting and patrolling the city because they'd presumably be trying to like establish themselves. Well, I, th I think they'd be trying to obviously protect it that way because they're trying to protect the little bit of turf they've already got. It's the Camarilla; it's what they do. <clears throat> yeah, that's a possibility. The other, the other possibility we've got is there could be a a regency coterie where some sort of Camarilla elder was like, um. I'm sodding off to the Middle East, but like I want you to carry. Maybe that elder was planning on like moving into to Venice like beforehand, and was like, yeah, right, yeah. "I've got to go and deal with this business in the Middle East." You coterie that I've created, go and get me, go and get me some like turf ready in like Venice, and I want yep. it done before I get back. He disappears off to the Middle East. They're like, "All right, we're moving into Venice," but like, all right, shit, how do we like? How do we like do this? So, so basically, they're like friendly with you guys because they're like, "Oh look, we ain't gonna get this shit done ourselves." And like, if like B Big Daddy V gets back, and like we've not done it, he's gonna be extremely unhappy, and that's not gonna end well for us. So especially with the uh, Hakata owning pretty much all the property. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so th that's a possibility. Obviously, we don't have to go with that. I'd go with that one. Is everyone else happy with that? Yeah, it looks to me. Okay, so that's Regency. 199. So, preparing a way for Camarilla. Okay, so the, the the very last thing for these coteries is that how do you guys feel about these, these coteries as a group? And how do you think they feel about you? And we I think with, with with the hipsters, it's probably um, disbelief <laughs> that they're still alive. I, I think it's a case of well, we have our um, uh, non Hakata friends here i guess there might be a bit of a like 
because they are ostensibly Anar affiliated. I'm guessing there might be a bit of a sympathetic thing going on that way. Uh, I'm not sure about Darren. What is what does your character feel about the political landscape of Venice? <laughs> is is he in with the Anarchs? Is he in with the with the boardroom Camarilla? Definitely, he's definitely a loner. That's the problem. He, yeah, I don't think he wants to associate with any of them. Yeah, um, but uh, I guess you don't get a choice, really. You you can choose empty as well, which is a is a good point of tension as well because there's a, there's a lot of people looking to sign you up to stuff. <laughs> yeah, Join I mean, us. Yeah, I think he would try and sort of float as much as he can. Um, and keep out of it as much as he can unless he's forced into a corner to make a decision he'll be trying to avoid it as much as can the politics side of it yeah probably no, more anarch leaning yeah to keep yeah keep his head down yeah as much as possible so i i guess with that if if we've got one person who's sort of like mostly just trying to stay away from having to deal with that stuff too much um and we've got one uh, so rob correct me if i'm wrong but like anarch leanings yeah definitely yeah. yeah yeah so we've got one anarch on board and we've got two hakata we're not you know <laughs> we're not ungracious hosts these days so i don't know uh is Rob, I, I guess it's uh, there's a lot that you could establish here as well. What I was thinking is like, is is this like your character's project? It's like, guys, <laughs> guys, we need to we need to have a place for these. It's not their fault that they're this way. Like they, they're us, you know. We by only by the <laughs> uh, <clears throat> only by the grace of God uh, are we here and not like that. So I see myself as being much harder than that, mm -hmm. you know, kind of living off scraps in the mountains for six years kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So I see myself as being um, not at all enamored by hipster style guys, mm -hmm. kind of more, you know, they're anarch anarchs that are OK. So I'm not suspicious of them or scared of them or worried about them. But I also don't see them as being that kind of pet project. I see them as just like a. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people that we bump into and talk to and mm -hmm. so trade news with, but not, you know, um, so they're more very little more rather than friends. Yeah, certainly from my perspective, um, it just wouldn't, you know, if I think of myself as like that old style rule book in the 40s mm -hmm. kind of, you know, mentality. I get a haircut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shake those sideburns, yeah, yeah. you hippie. So I, I, again, just my uh, thought, um, maybe we just got saddled with these guys. Like someone else made the call, someone way higher up who can make the call was basically like, you guys ain't shit. So here's tenants. Deal, <laughs> deal with it. So uh, unless we have other ideas maybe someone up the chain just decided this is where they live and we don't have the 
you know, the pull to uh, go against that. Okay. So how, yeah. do you, how do you think these hipstery guys feel about you guys? Are we vocal? <laughs> um, largely the same, I think. Like, we're all serious and fucking doing our thing and they're all like having parties and fucking whatever else and you know we see them as a little bit weird and a little bit you know <clears throat> and they see us the same way you know not a just kind of ships passing in the night kind of you know mm-hmm. we do our thing yeah. you do your thing everyone's I, happy i sort of see us as maybe their last resort you know because they can't go anywhere else because they've just been thrown out of everywhere and it's like they've been put in our area because of nowhere else and we're not big enough mm-hmm. is the sort of say. so yeah we've been sort of forced again so it's just a mutual not a respect it's just acknowledgement and we just get on with it we leave them unless we need you and they'll leave us and yeah sounds good until things yeah until things kick off i guess Okay, so what about our burgeoning Camarilla coterie? How do you guys feel about them? This suspicious, this, this mix of businessmen and artists. Um, but I'm I guess we'd be like suspicious, right? Um, you know, wouldn't be fully relaxed around and would feel like. I guess it comes down to you, Giovanni guys, and how you'd feel about being that close to them. But there'd be an amount of tension anyway, I think. Yeah, I think definitely um, uh, my character has a, has a couple of things here which are rather interesting now that I think about it in like Camarilla context because uh, I've got three convictions, one of which is reject wealth for it corrupts. And... Uh, <laughs> the venture are kind of all about that moolah and um they probably throw it around as well because that's kind of their style um and i've got also obey authority as one so i think i'm sort of like socially cordial with them while making like veiled stabs at the fact that you worship at the altar of moloch Abandon material wealth. <laughs> so it's sort of like, yeah, I hang, I hang with them, but I, I also like just moralize <laughs> a little bit. I think. <laughs> Unless we've established that, like, we're not talking to these guys <laughs> as a group. No, I think we should. For that kind of cordial thing while there's tension kind of is how I would see it that's good now the the six million dollar question how do you think they feel about you guys who do we have we've got uh, a loner um, of of mysterious nature and means Uh, we've got a sort of gruff uh modern survival man uh turned 
finder of things and people. We've got a local sort of soci socialite-esque yep. leg breaker. <laughs> and and uh, I, I guess an intense Catholic death priest. Um, and there, there's there's overlap there to a degree. <laughs> but I don't think we go to a lot of the same parties is what I'm saying. <laughs> we go to a different trade fair than these guys. Um, I'd say there's definitely business opportunities, but yeah, beyond that, it's... I guess like there's because very wary of each other because these are like by default like we need to take these guys at least seriously right uh, as Ooh. opposed to the 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 unfortunates <laughs> and uh, the misfits yeah uh, and uh, I I guess that would lead to like I don't know because it's we want to put up a, a thing where it's like oh it's it's our city right so and these are blatantly like not locals as such uh, and like, maybe we do like social calls every now and then just because yeah, it's know. probably like um cold war-esque you know yeah we're, we're both suspicious of each other but we need to do business in order to yeah yeah so i guess we're like cordial frenemies like <laughs> <laughs> love it but they're probably pissed off that Darren's got more money than they have. But... Yeah, yeah, it's like, who, who is this guy? No one knows. <laughs> like, which futures has he invested in? Like, does anyone know? He's just sitting on a big pile of Nazi gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sounds good point. to me. Okay, oh. so the, the very last thing we need to put down on the sheets is on the description tab, you'll notice you have a space for Clan Bane. Now, each different clan has a specific bane associated with them. So I'll tell you what those are. So for the Gangrel clan, uh, when in frenzy, so when your beast takes over, you gain one or more animal features, a physical trait, a smell, or a behavioral tick. They last for one more night afterwards. So let's say you went into a frenzy and I was like, oh, you've got eyes that look like a wolf's eyes. That would last for the night following your frenzy. Okay. Each feature reduces one attribute by one point. Now, if it's appearance-based, it's probably normally a social attribute because people would like find you slightly unnerving. Like the example it gives here, uh, it may decide like a forked tongue reduces charisma, for example. Uh, the number of features a gangrel manifests equals the severity of their bane. So, I see that the more book that you get, the more animal features you, you manage. Yes. Yeah. Okay, the bane for the Nosferatu is you all all Nosferatu counters having the revolting flaw, which is a two point flaw, and they can never increase their rating in the looks merit. In addition to any that, any attempt to disguise himself as a human incurs a penalty to their dice pool equal to their bane severity. And I presume you've got the uh, the older Hecata one, which is the uh, you must study 
death or whatever it is yeah that's that's the compulsion um which like we'll deal with all compulsion compulsion shit way later because it's not really a part of the generation part uh, as such and i don't think there was a place for it either but the bane which i see my sheet has failed to record even as i put it there and it's deleted oh no i'm having some yeah me too it's a sonic information retaining difficulties here but the um, the bane for the hekata is uh the following uh here we go so steeped in death the fangs of the hekata bring not bliss but agony uh, victims caught unawares will be will violently resist unless restrained and a few people willing, willingly submit to the torture that is the hekata kiss yeah. When drinking directly from a victim, uh, you may only take harmful drinks, resulting in blood loss. Unwilling mortals not restrained will try to escape, and even those chorus or willing must succeed at a, at a role. Um, um, coerced or willing vampire victims of the Hekata by make, must make a frenzy test in order not to get spooked. Yeah. So we we can't be smooth with the with the drinks from the tap. Yeah. And the way this works for most vampires is when you bite someone, they fall under the effect of something called the kiss. And that's sort of like a blissful feeling that washes over them. So even like a sort of vile Nosferatu, once they've got their fangs in someone, the kiss goes in, the person's like got these waves of bliss that effectively disable them, allowing the vampire to continue drinking. With the Hikata, that's not the case. When they drink from a mortal, it's very painful and they're fully aware it's very painful and what's going on. So they, they may try and struggle and resist and try and escape. They're not just going to be stood there like, oh, like they would be if one of either Darren or uh, Rob's character was feeding off them. I think that's pretty much it, guys. Wonderful. I know that was a, a bit of a long one, but uh, hopefully we've the the, the character gen for V five is pretty involved, but it does give you like this whole relationship map and pretty much everything you need to like run the first session. Yeah, we, not only did we make characters we also made one two three four there's like a dozen npcs as well <laughs> indeed so i'm just going to save the notes i've made Right, so before we wrap up, does anyone have any other questions, anything you you want to ask, etc.? I think I'm okay. No, mate, all good. Right, in which case, thank you very much, guys. And obviously, I'm going to end the uh, end of the stream here. So thanks for anyone who's watched this. Like I say, more, more for my own reference and for our reference than people watching. But if anyone does watch it, thanks very much. Hopefully, we'll join you for the game. Take it easy.